Yeah? No? They're looking good. I always that's the uh, first first thing I look at. Oh, the the mixer? The green. The green. I watch the green. I don't know, but then it's always different on the waves, so you can only hope. Well, I can at least adjust the waves. So if we're too loud, you know, yeah. quiet us down. Or yeah. if we're too quiet, turn us up. Right. It's easier to turn us down though, because then it's like, oh, I just gotta like, you know, level the levels. But yeah. If I have to turn us up, it's like, oh, you start to hear some shit that you don't maybe necessarily <laughs> want to hear. Yeah. Like uh, a lot of heavy breathing and some burps and some some lip smacking. But uh, <laughs> I wonder how much of that is me. I you do kind of you tongue click a lot. You do like a, like that. But uh, it's okay. not it's not yeah. like unpleasant. It's just something that I've noticed you do quite a bit from if, doing if this for could, almost two if years. If we could eliminate that, that'd be great. Um, is kind of yeah. what I'm hearing. Well, it's weird because when I edit it, sometimes I I know that I don't have to cut out too much. Yep. So then I kind of just skim through it. I look at the waves, but I don't really like listen to everything because sometimes I'm pressed for time. Yep. So then I just go through it and it's like, okay, this will take me like 45 minutes to edit. Sometimes I do listen to the whole thing. If I notice, oh, the waves are a little bit bigger or smaller than they should be, I'll listen to the whole thing just so I can maybe get a gist of like what I need to fix. Yeah. And sometimes I'll put in the extra effort to like, and obviously I like close the gaps in conversation if there's a pause for like looking something up. Right. Or if uh, one of us like burps or something or like coughs or whatever. Um, in like the last couple episodes when I was coughing like a maniac, um, <laughs> did my best to cut those out. But sometimes it's one of those things where like you just got to gauge whether or not you think it'll bother people and then mm-hmm. just deal with it that way. Nice. But. Nothing too strenuous. I do a lot for you guys in terms of editing that goes unnoticed. So thank me in the comments, <laughs> you fuckers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You hear that? In fact, I might turn you down a little bit. There we go. Okay. All right. Um, your voice is just naturally higher than mine. Yep. So I think I have to keep you at a little bit of a lower level just yeah. because um, you've got a very booming voice that carries quite a bit. It's the coach in me. Yeah. You got a very projectile voice. I appreciate yeah. it about you. At least you're not too quiet. At least I don't have to be like Mac, like speak the fuck up. Yep. I never have to tell you that. I never have to worry it's about that. It's always sort of thing. I've noticed because we did the radio show um, for football, mm-hmm. and I know the first time that I hopped in here and do it, you kind of don't know how to be normal. You know if that makes sense? Yeah, because you're putting on a weird performance of sorts. You're like, yeah. Oh, I'm I'm projecting into a microphone, so the the authenticity well, of the conversation kind of feels a little sacrificed. Or you don't know, like, hey, just have a conversation with someone, and you know, like, it, me, this is me, like, in the office. Like, if you ran into me and I talked to you like this, but then you get other people that get on there. And they start talking, and they're like, "Yeah, no, it was a really good time." Like they yeah. are on NPR, you yeah. know, like, like they're no, going for I, an ASMR type voice. Yeah, almost. like they, like for some reason, you just get on the mic and you just start getting into that weird, like, "All right, I can hear myself thinking out loud. I'm just gonna keep going with it. I'm just it. gonna keep rambling. Yeah, no, and see what happens. Great... Comes to my mind. This yeah. is free beer and hot wings in the morning. <laughs> We're gonna bring you the news, the weird news right now. I've noticed that with radio shows specifically, where they feel extra enunciated very purposefully. And it's funny Probably. because I work with somebody who has actually met those guys. Oh, free beer and hot wings. 
And I asked him, I was like, so is there like radio personality exaggerated or are they just like that? And he said, no, they're just like that oh. when they're around each other. Yeah. It's like they're doing the radio show without recording, essentially. I think I do think there are some people that are like that, that their personality, uh, usually in especially within podcasts, I think once you get on more of a state or national level, there's probably you got a persona that you're fitting. You got a persona and it's heightened for sure, but there still, I think, should be some semblance of you in there without sacrificing your actual personality. Yeah. Because, like, obviously with a radio show, you want the people that you're listening to to be interesting and to be engaged and energetic with what they're talking about. But at the same time, you don't want them to overexert themselves. And then when you meet them in real life, they're like, hey, I'm, hey, I, I'm free beer. I have a radio show. Yeah, I, I think you might like it. Um, you want to talk about butterflies? Like, I don't know. It'd just be a weird thing. It's just a weird thing in general that like radio and podcast kind of like subconsciously put in your brain. Like you have to be on for certain times. But at the same time, I feel like you and I have such a good dynamic because I feel like you and I already talked like this. Yes. Anyway. So. Yeah. Like it's it's like nothing's lost and nothing's really no. sacrificed when we do this. No, and I don't think anyone. I think except if, for maybe some people's brain cells when they listen. Quite possibly. Mm-hmm. Quite probably. Uh, speaking of which, yeah, I will intro. We're not a pit crew at Daytona. This can't be fixed in seconds. You didn't have seconds. You had three weeks. The universe was created in a third of that time. Well, someday you'll have to tell us how you did it. Yeah. I felt like it would have been a disservice if I didn't do that quote. There are, it's actually funny because uh, that's a really good one that always tickles me because I always forget it's in there. Mm-hmm. You know, even like, even when I just watched it, I kind of was like, oh yeah, he's going. And then he, and I still go, oh, See, nice. to me, it was like a trailer drop moment. I remember that from the trailer of this film when really? it was coming out, like the commercials and everything. And that's like the one thing I was kind of waiting for in the movie was like, when is he going to pull out this line? Yeah. Uh, the the whole like God created the universe in a third of that time comparing him to uh, our Lord and Savior himself. No. Um, My favorite line in the whole thing is he goes, well, what are the chances that it does work? And he goes one in six. He goes one in six. He goes, you know, Russian roulette reverse engineer those odds. <laughs> right. He goes, that's how like if you don't get this thing to work, I will not announce your name. You know, so mm-hmm. he goes, if I were you, I'd get back out there and start adding more uh, bullets into that gun. Mm-hmm. I love that line. It's a lot of good writing in this movie. Um, and we're going to get into it for yes. sure. Uh, but first, I got a bit of not really movie news, just kind of entertainment news. I'm sure you heard about Matthew Perry. Oh, yeah. I was actually <laughs> sitting I was on at, the toilet. I, <laughs> I was at the Halloween party at my uh, friend's house. Was that Saturday night that that happened? yes it was yeah we didn't we didn't do anything um we were just watching college football and i went to the bathroom and all of a sudden i'm like you know twitter pops up with the news like and what this thing matthew perry died and i forgot who tweeted it but it it was like 35 seconds i was like this can't be right you know Mm -hmm. so i googled it and sure i was like five minutes after the whole thing's happened that i was like man so yeah tragic it's a weird empty feeling especially since he was 54 like he wasn't old so it's one of those things where oh damn the people that we like grew up with in entertainment are 
are dying because they're older than us and because they had issues and everything. Uh, I was at the Halloween party and my friend Lauren, I think, brought up like a Reddit link or like a Facebook link or something. And yeah, I was like, oh, shit, Matthew Perry died. And it took me a second to like register it. But uh, I don't know. It's weird because it's one of those things where, you know, I wasn't like a huge fan of Friends or anything. Like nope. it wasn't really my type of show. I knew people who loved it. Yeah. But uh, I think it's one of those things where like you can't deny the huge status that it had when it was out and how many people are connected to that show like it's probably arguably one of the biggest sitcoms that exists you know that's oh. con- continued to be syndicated throughout fucking time um and it the, rivaled the, seinfeld rivaled seinfeld and like most of the main cast is still like you know, some are probably a little bit more relevant than others, but like, you know, most people, when they talk about friends, they talk about like all six of those cast members, how much they contributed to the show. And a lot of people consider Matthew Perry to be one of the best parts of it. I, I would probably include myself in that from the few episodes I've seen. I'm trying to, I, I've not watched a lot of friends. I, that was, I was a Seinfeld kid. And I think that's, thank God, because that's really what tailored my sense of humor. Um, yeah. I'm trying to he there there's there he's he was a, in a couple movies and I'm trying to see if one of the movies I thought he was trying to trying to hook up with someone or or get a job and he had to act like he was gay but I don't know if this is I don't know if that was him or not I can't there's a movie I remember him being in I forget the name of it but it had Chris Farley in it and uh It's almost heroes. Is that the one where they're like Lewis and Clark? kind of like yeah. they're on the expedition or whatever yeah, or they're, yeah. tr- they're trying to beat lewis and clark and a taste it shall be yeah i remember seeing that one in school and thinking that it was funny obviously i was in like fifth grade so i don't uh, know how it would hold up now but. probably you know what's really weird too talk about things coming like full circle um we we were watching that movie the night chris farley uh passed away Oh shit! Yeah, I don't know. And this is obviously before the internet. I mean, like we we're at my we we're at my grandma's like trailer, and um, we had the movie on, and, and I don't know how she it maybe not the night he passed, but like within the week that he passed. And obviously, we were we were really little, and the movie came out, and we had it on, and and my grandma saw it, and she was like, "Yeah, that big guy's dead." Oh damn! Yeah, that big and, guy. Yeah, and like I used to get him and John Candy mixed up naturally. Yeah, like when I, I too. and just being a little kid. I mean, it's not like you know actors and you're well, you know, familiar with everyone and big funny white guy. Yeah, you know SNL. Like I, we hadn't really watched much of it. Cause I don't know when that movie came out. the The movie that I'm thinking of with Matthew Perry is uh, Three to Tango. I think I came across that on Letterboxd. I was looking at some of his movies that he was in after I learned he died. And, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, he doesn't have like the best filmography, but well, he's got some things that are notable. He had a he had a really bad problem. Wasn't he an alcoholic or he, drug addiction? He had problem with prescription pills, yep. drug abuse. Yep. Um, I think alcoholism was in there. If you watch a lot of Friends over the course of the, I think nine seasons or ten seasons, it was out. Yeah. His weight fluctuates a lot, and that's not just because you know they are aging it's because rehabbing like, like getting healthy and like back one to season drugs. he's like almost christian bale machinist weight like 120 and then yeah uh the next season he'll be like a little overweight mm-hmm. and like have facial hair to compensate for it 
it was almost kind of like a Charlie Sheen thing where like they probably had to film a lot of his scenes where he's sitting down because, you know, he's kind of fucked up. Uh, and sure. I, yeah. He's, he's sober for two days. So he's starting to get he's starting to feel it in his knees. <laughs> I can't take this is too much for me. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting because he also came out with a memo or not a memo, a memoir uh like a year ago two years ago about like his struggles mm-hmm. with addiction i remember and he had a book right he had a book come out yeah yeah and he talked about like losing some of his like hollywood friends like he was friends with river phoenix and heath ledger and kind of like seeing them go and um yikes there was uh it was like it gave him like a sense of uh you know purpose i guess for lack of a better word and the fact that like he managed to like come out of it okay where his friends didn't How- gave him a bit of, like a bit of appreciation for life um yeah and you know we didn't even talk about how he died he that's what i was about to ask yeah i know how he died but did there more information come out on this so right now the understanding is he had a heart attack in his jacuzzi and drowned and what's what's really eerie is that his last instagram post was him in his jacuzzi just chilling in there and it's a, it's but like not the day of not right? the day of okay it was like that weekend right um but the the jacuzzi itself is kind of noteworthy too because it's not like a fucking hot tub size jacuzzi it's like a pool it's like a fucking like full yeah. size he's a infinity mi- pool millionaire getting residuals <laughs> from friends I like think, i think i read he was making like 20 million dollars a year just from friends residuals which is yeah you know what they're all making yeah off that show <laughs> uh which is no wonder crazy. you don't see him anymore i mean that's like shit. you wouldn't see me again dude <laughs> you got the pony man mm-hmm. like you hit it yeah there it is it, it, do you want to keep doing this and having to deal with weird directors and horrible writing or just own a pretty nice home and go off into the sunset i mean as far as life goes uh, i mean he had his struggles for sure but at the end of the day he's more likely a winner than anything like he i'm did not gonna it. knock him i mean it's he, he had a good run it's kind of it's really just one of those unfortunate things that i mean you have a heart attack in a pool dude have we oh this hasn't yeah um it reminded me of someone that they had a heart attack so Oh, who? Uh, well, if we're done with Matthew Perry, I'll, I can get into. Uh, it's not. It's a. Yeah, yeah. I think people want to know about me. I hope or what's going on. I've talked about coaching enough. Did you have a heart attack? I didn't have a heart attack, dude. I we had the craziest fucking thing happen to us. So, um, Spring Lakes out of the playoffs. We okay. lost uh, two weeks ago. A week ago, Friday. Damn. Right. So it was. It, we had a good run. You should have won. <laughs> Having not been to the game, you should have won. Well, we were up. Anyways, I feel I feel a lot of of the weight and the burden of of the loss, but because uh, defensively we didn't get a stop, and that really uh, irks me so much to the point that I've gone kind of nuts with football. Um, but we we score a touchdown. Okay, so we score a touchdown to go take the lead against the team we're playing against. And uh, we're going to go kick the extra point, which is, you know, I don't know anyone. If you're not familiar with football, you score a touchdown. There's a free point that you can kick to get, you know, if you kick it. Mm-hmm. Um, the team that we're going against decides to keep jumping the snap. So after a couple times of doing this, we decide that we're going to run a play and try to get two points mm-hmm. instead of one point. Well, we run the play. Um, 
you know, and it's it, whatever happened. I mean, you, how do you say? I always say it wrong. Do SS Machina? Deus Ex Machina. Deus Ex Machina. Like seriously, some shit like that. Our quarterback takes a hit uh, and gets and gets hurt. Like it, it, you know, he breaks his leg. Oh geez. Uh, yeah. So I mean, it was kind of. It's a very. It was very like. Oh man. You know, kind of like one of those things that just you're everyone's heart sinks mm-hmm. you know you're really hoping that the kid's all right and that everything's gonna be okay and you know <clears throat> well while that's going on and the crowd's kind of all you know dimmer down apparently we had a member on our chain gang have a heart attack chain so can you explain to me what chain so gang a is? chain gang guy is um we, there's some members of the community or or whoever you know that part of kind of like you just like associate with an ops team on football like so they have to keep the down and distance okay um gotcha yeah and and again so our quarterback so this is an older person this was like in his 50s i think okay that's why i was like thinking like it's like like heart attacks are so there's before I get into the whole, you know, uh, existential crisis with things out of your control, uh, it, it, the quarterback goes down. The whole stands watching that. Meanwhile, no one realized that we had a guy that was that had a heart attack on the on the side. Yeah, they're all Just, paying attention to the kid with the broken leg. We were sitting there for forty minutes trying to like, you know, and people are at, and everyone's hearts going out with the quarterback, and they're trying to figure out. We didn't even know. I mean, so it's just it, there's a these funny events that happen in life, or I shouldn't say funny, just crazy, like things you can't explain. And I was a part of it on Friday and it, it was a loss. And I just, it makes you anyways, the whole thing is I was thinking about heart attacks and I didn't even think about Matthew Perry. Cause I wasn't thinking about this guy and associating the two, but you know, you get into those things. You're like, you know, when you're younger, you just kind of, you're so ignorant with life. You mm. don't even care. Like I was thinking about, we were driving back on the, you know, 10:30 at night, going down the highway, and like I am white knuckling it, just watching the road because yeah. I'm so afraid of a deer popping out. And then you remember, like when you're 18, you'd you'd go to Ravana and go 70, and just be like, "Lord, yeah, take the it. wheel." I have my license. I can I yeah. can drive this fast if I want. Yeah, you know. So it it just reminded me, like, yeah, you're sitting in a jacuzzi and you have a heart attack. Like, it, that doesn't make you a winner or a loser. I mean. It's just a game of chance at that point. You know, like, and, and going back to Matthew Perry, yeah, the guy, he, he was making $20 million a year on residuals, and I, if, I don't know if he did or didn't overcome it or if he continued to struggle with that, you know, the, the disease, that, you know, alcoholism. But, um, yeah, I mean, to make it that long and to have that good of a run, hell yeah. And he had a book come out, so obviously he had to make some changes in, in his life to make a memoir. So was that guy that had the heart attack okay? Yes. Okay. He ended up being all right. I had to That's double good. check on that. It was a crazy 72 hours of how is our quarterback doing? Because this is a, he's a great young kid, you mm-hmm. know. Um, saw a lot of growth in him in the year, like becoming a leader. So always like guys like that, kids like that, you're always, you know, rooting for him, want to make sure that everything's right. And then, I mean, it was so bad. I mean, like his leg was facing the other way, uh, you know. And, Jesus. Yeah, a member of the opposing team threw up. Uh, at the like, he gets off in the in the uh, in the cart to get into the EMS, and both teams are out there. I mean, like we still have eight minutes left to play in this game, and like we have brothers in arms with the enemy, and like they're crying on each other's shoulders because of what they've gone through. 
And I'm like sitting there, and then meanwhile, you know, we had a member of the community have a heart attack, and that we have to have a second EMS come in to help him out. Jesus, it was nuts. It's it was one. Of, you go to high school football games, dude. You'd never see shit like that in a million years, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you barely like, see shit like that in, in the NFL. Yeah, like that's what I'm saying. Like the it is, it, yes, it it would be like, uh, and you don't know either of these players, but like if Nick Chubb, the Nick Chubb incident happened on the same play that. Oh, DeMar- you know what? Someone showed me a clip of that. Yeah, his knee. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, fucking gruesome. Yeah, imagine that. You know, Demar Hamlin. I've heard the name. Uh, the guy that he went down last year, he got hit. He went into cardiac arrest because he took like the perfect hit yes. to stop his heart. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah, that'd be like both of those things happening on the same the Monday same night time. football game. <laughs> yeah, like Jesus. What Christ. are the odds of that happening? And just to be like, hey, by the way, guys, like we're not going to pause. It's like we still have eight minutes left. <laughs> we still got to play. <laughs> get get your minds right. You know, kind of forget everything we just <laughs> Drink saw. Some Gatorade. Yeah, and we'll talk about this tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and everything Jesus. that just occurred. So, so he, how's the kid's leg going to be? Do you know anything about that? Yeah, no, he's going to be all right. They got him into uh, they got him into surgery. Um, his dad, I'd, I'd go to breakfast with his dad on Fridays, you okay. know, just from being part of the coaching staff and, and becoming friends with those guys. Um, me and him would get breakfast. So like it was like one of those things. Like this whole thing's happening. He goes down there. He's trying to count, you know, counsel his or console his kid, right? And. Mm-hmm. I I go over there and I kind of give him a hug. I'm like, dude, like I whatever you got to do, you know. Like we're I know it's a football game, but shit, dude, this is life, you know. And and he was kind of he's torn up and uh, no, the kid's gonna be all right. Um, he's got a, a road of recovery ahead of him. Um, but these injuries typically like he can already place weight on his leg, so like they 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 got the leg set and they got a I think they got a, a rod in there maybe. Um, they, they threw some, like, obviously you got to get some machinery in there to make sure that uh, everything gets set and healed and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, probably some physical therapy. Yeah. He's got, so we're hoping that, you know, in the summer that, um, God willing, if he continues to stick with football and doing sports and stuff that he'll, that everything will go smoothly and he'll be out and, and doing well. So, I mean, after the whole, every. Honestly, the worst thing that happened was just the two events happened. You know, outside yeah. of that, everyone's at the got, same time. Yeah, like and I guess talking about Sam went to the game and I was talking to him and in, he was just like, dude, I he goes, I've never seen anything like that ever. That sounds fucking crazy. Ever and I, I'm like, yeah, and you're in the like in the stance, you know, like <laughs> yeah, I'm fucking sitting here trying to coach. Like I'm talking, I had one kid that was crying that I was like hugging and like you know, I'm like, dude, it's all right. Like if if you can't go back out there, just let me know. I'll get someone else in. Like it's it's a football game. Like this could shake anyone up. Mm-hmm. I've got another kid that was just staring at his leg that's like in shock, and I'm trying to like snap him out of it, you know. And you're just talking to like blank eyes, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm just sitting there. I was like, what the, you know, people, just, a lot of people looking to you for answers probably. Oh, uh, not. No, 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 no. Cause at, at that point, everyone was in shock. You know, mm-hmm. I was trying to keep my head about no me, questions like, to ask. Don't know what to do. Well, what do you, you know, it's if, if we're going to continue playing the game, Hey, like prayers go with the quarterback, everything that's going on. We're all thinking about him. Let's get through this and then we can go and assess what's going on with him. You know, Mm -hmm. let's get through these last eight minutes of this game and then we can figure out because there's nothing we can do right now, right? There's absolutely nothing that's in our control right now that we can do unless we stop this thing and we all go and like, if we go to the hospital or whatever, like other than that, you just got to have that mindset. Like unless something really bad's going to happen, 
In which case, if someone said, hey, he like an artery got hit or something like that, like, yeah, stop the fucking game. Let's go. So, yeah, it was it was just wild. It was it was it was wild. It was 35 minutes of like just kind of walking around and trying to grab guys and like snap them out of it and be like, yeah, everything like we haven't heard anything bad. So let's just, you know, get to that next step. Mm -hmm. You know. I'll allow this sports talk for this episode just because, you know, it's 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 quite interesting. It's a little bit more than just sports. Uh it sounds like the entire ordeal was um really fucking brutal and Oh yeah, yes. I mean, shit. It's very very compelling to listen to. I'm glad both of those people are okay. Yeah, same here. Yeah. Speaking of situations that get out of control, we watched a movie by Martin Scorsese yeah. called Killers of the Flower Moon. This is one that has been in <laughs> development for a while. I think it was filmed in 2018, and he, it yeah. just now got released five years later. Um, he had to go through some some uh, hurdles. Yeah, so obviously COVID came and fucked everything up, but then uh, it's one of those movies where like Martin Scorsese probably just wanted to wait for the right time to release it, and you know, probably some distribution stuff. I mean, I don't think it was well, originally supposed to be an Apple TV production or at least distributed by them in part. Cause I know that it's going to go on there eventually. Um, but I guess I don't know too much about like the whole development of it. I just know it took a long time to get out. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, just from kind of, so the book came out in 2017. So, I mean, when you talk about, uh, it took a long time to make, I'm, <clears throat> I am also looking at the other side of, it's a very quick turnaround for a book to come out, read it, and go, I, I got to make this film. Yeah. Not only that, but he had to talk to the um, Osage. 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 Yeah. Osage. Osage uh, community. Because mm -hmm. uh, you know, he also wanted to use, um, I don't mean it in a derogatory way, but authentic Native Americans, you know, of the of the Osage community mm -hmm. um, to make sure that their story, I mean, it's you know, it being their story, wanted it to be as most authentic as it could be, mm -hmm. I would, I'm, I'm going with. So I think that when you talk about the hurdles, it's going through a meeting with people and that's not just something where you fly down to Oklahoma and have a conversation on a Tuesday. Like, yeah. I feel like that's kind of a lot of what are we looking at here? What's going on? What let's, do let's get? do a little bit of research into this before we <laughs> dive head first. Yeah. Um, so I can summate this film. Yeah. Uh, this was directed by Martin Scorsese. I think this might be correct me if i'm wrong the first scorsese film we'll be talking about on this podcast oh i believe so at least officially we haven't done like we haven't done like a full discussion on like taxi driver no. um goodfellas or anything at least i don't think so no um, no i don't think screenplay by eric roth and martin scorsese uh based on killers of the flower moon book by david gran uh, it's got Leonardo DiCaprio as Ernest Burkhart, uh, Robert De Niro as William King Hale, and Lily Gladstone as Molly Kyle, amongst a, a slew of other casts and characters, mm -hmm. and is essentially about, uh, set in 1919, uh, the Osage Native American tribe coming across uh, oil, striking oil, and uh, their community becoming very wealthy because of it, but... Because of the way the government was, the uh, government issued that 
they needed to basically have caretakers almost to like look after them and make sure they're not irresponsible air quotes with the wealth that they've accumulated. So there's a lot of intermingling, a lot of interracial marriage and uh, a little bit of nefarious goals in mind with the white people that come in and a little bit establish relationships with them. <laughs> and uh, Ernest Burkhart played by Leo DiCaprio comes back from war. Uh, he goes and sees his uncle played by DiCaprio and his De Niro. uncle. De Niro, sorry. Yeah. Did I say DiCaprio? DiCaprio sees DiCaprio, and then he you know, <laughs> talks to himself. Um, no, he sees his uncle, played by De Niro, William King Hale, and he kind of establishes this relationship where you know, De Niro pushes him towards the idea of getting together with Lily Gladstone's character. Um, you know, sprinkle in a little bit of genuine love in there, but for the most part, for the nefarious purpose of taking their oil money essentially that yeah. they get from the land and from the government. Well, so I don't know that. Yes. In the long run, right? In the long run, in the long run, there's I, a, there's a big plan that is being enacted in this movie yeah. that you see unfold and you basically see the entire thing almost. Um, so yeah, I, it's funny cause this is obviously a long movie. Um, yeah. It's, Let's do, uh, if you haven't seen it too, spoilers ahead. Spoilers so, for um, Killers of the Flower Moon. I know this is, well, if you're listening, now you probably know, but if not, and this is your first time, just in case you haven't seen it, go see it and then you listen. Yeah, I think it's still in theaters at this time, hopefully, at least oh, by yeah. the time this comes out. I saw out. it yesterday. Oh, you were able to see it yesterday? Yeah. Okay, that's good. I saw this almost two weeks ago, so it's been a minute. I was kind of, it was, I was worried it was going to be one of those things where I wouldn't be able to catch it near us if like a marvel right. movie came out and like pushed it out and because it's such a long movie it's like uh do they really want to like show this the whole time but that's nice that they still are showing it um Grand Haven this 9 weekend. was awesome oh cool i saw it at the cinema um and it's one of those movies that i knew was going to be long and i had i you know i've seen wolf of wall street i've seen silence i've seen some of the longer scorsese films i haven't checked out the irishman yet because i'm you know i need to carve time for that but uh, this one, I really liked it. I thought it was good. Um, I think wow, that I show your cards already. I know, right? I'm, you know, <clears throat> we're being transparent on the Neon Crew podcast. Yeah, this is a very honest corner. This is a very honest segment of my opinion of this movie. Crew podcast, transparent crew podcast. That's right. That's the spinoff, baby. Um, I don't know. It's one of those movies where. I've had time to kind of let it digest and sit and marinate and any other adjective I want to throw in there. And, you know, I have thoughts on it, but I'm very curious what you think and what your relationship to this movie is, especially when it comes to comparing other Martin Scorsese movies. This. So Scorsese has a certain, a certain brand and it's mostly, white men doing bad things yes <laughs> absolutely and he's always done it in sort of like a mafioso setting mm -hmm. right where it's a lot of simple people led by one you know narcissist or sociopath however you want to view it you know uh leading the charge and getting these guys to do really dumb things that they just have no ideas about what they're doing or sort of the implications or having a backbone to say no you know, and when the times are good, it's really easy to fall in. Yeah. So I was, you know, watching it. I, I kind of laughed because I was like, "Oh, maybe we're going in a different direction." I and it just 
No, same vibe. Same vibe. It's different environment, different sort of mafia. I think I told my girlfriend, I said, is it really a Martin Scorsese film if they're not focused on absolute scum fucks? And oh my God. Just, just the most horrible people imaginable I've, getting away with it, essentially. I have, we were talking about it, and I hate to say it, but like, you know, in The Matrix, um, a, the agent talks, he's talking to Morpheus, right? Yeah. And he talks about how, and obviously you're in the matrix versus like the, you're in the matrix versus the real world and people in the matrix. He, he calls the human race a virus and they just, they, they take and they, and like I, I, every once in a while I'll lean towards that, you know? And after watching this film, I was like, Jesus Christ, like we are all different sorts of viruses trying to fucking do whatever it, it can to survive. You know, and, yeah. and you see a it's lot very of parasitic. Yeah. And just, you know, the eating, the taking the, you know, you're, you're destroying cells and you're, you're sucking in the, whatever life that that other cell had making your cells stronger. And it was just like watching this. It's like, oh, that's like what we've done to some extent. And like, it's still going on. And it's just, it doesn't matter whatever your, your, um, your rah rah is i can't think about you oh know, yeah your you're like allegiance or, yeah like it could be for, for whatever whatever reason why you're doing it <clears throat> you know whether it's politics religion money territory you know like however you view it it's all in the same vein of just trying to to make anyways you know that's what this movie reminded me of yeah. uh it is <laughs> three hours 27 minutes we're getting back and, and I asked Jasmine because we're getting close to uh, uh, baby being born, and I wasn't sure if she wanted to go and see it or not. And maybe your baby will be born after the next episode comes out. It, it it's very possible. Well, we we're on like we we're on like it could be tomorrow, it could be two weeks. We don't know, but we're getting pretty like the countdowns on. Yeah, and uh, I, I told her I go it's three hours and twenty minutes, and she does she gets quiet and just you know looking at her phone and then she exclaims three hours and 30 minutes <laughs> I'm, like, I'm gonna give birth to kyle jr in yeah, this time yeah and i'm like i go sorry i rounded down and so yeah the time might scare you but honestly don't don't let it scare you like this thing goes down not as smoothly uh, as as you could say for three and a half hours, but no. this is in terms of maybe hiccups. If you're talking about a long, smooth drink, uh, oh, that was a little rough. Everything feels very purposeful, and everything feels like it needed to be included in order to convey how much of a piece of shit these people were. Oh, my God. And I I really like the dynamic it had in in presenting you the character of Ernest Burkhart because he's introduced and he comes in and he's played by Leo DiCaprio, obviously like one of the biggest leading men in Hollywood mm -hmm. worked with Scorsese multiple times before on many different films, including Wolf of wall street, where he's also a big piece of shit in there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but there's something weird about this movie specifically in comparison to Wolf of wall street, where at least with Wolf of wall street, you kind of understand from the get go that this guy's a scumbag. Whereas in this one, the way that they write his character is very purposefully dim and simple to the point where is this guy just being wholly manipulated by De Niro? Does he have his own nefarious desires? Is he doing this for completely selfish reasons or does he actually care about his wife and his family that he's raising? And I really like the way it presents it because it makes you struggle with the idea that this guy could just be a piece of shit the entire movie. And that's how it's probably going to turn out, but you still want him to be 
redeemable in some way. Oh, you yeah. want him to do the right things because you understand that he probably does really love Lily Gladstone's character, Molly, like yeah, in a genuine way. As it's, much as a simple person could. As much as a simple person could. He's just being led by this complete asshole played by De Niro the entire time. The the best part about this whole <clears throat> film is they, they set up what's going to happen to uh, Ernest in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. You know, yeah. If it, him, he's talking with King Hale and, and he says, don't get drunk. You know, mm-hmm. that's it. They call it black crow talk because I, yip, 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 they're listening, right? And he says, and don't be simple because you'll find your ways with the wrong people here and they'll lead you the wrong, in the wrong direction. You yep. stay with me and I'll make sure that we take <laughs> care of you. And that, I'll make sure you're fine. Yeah. Don't go off and running to other people and being simple around them because they'll take advantage of you. I won't. I'm your uncle, you know? Yeah. Who and, then takes advantage of him the entire movie. And it's funny too because you kind of, so, like, I didn't know anything about this thing going into it, and I didn't realize it was going to go the route it did. Um, but when he said, you know, call me uncle, but remember when you called, what you called me when you were little? You called me king. King, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, it's a very weird... This is a very weird telling thing to have your nephew call you, especially yes. when king is so synonymous with, you know someone who has ultimate power over you yes um uh, yeah very purposefully tongue-in-cheek and i like that they included that because even then i was thinking like mm, that's a bit narcissistic right like it's kind <laughs> it's of a like, bit self-serving that's a little weird like that mm-hmm. don't even if i if, if i went by that and like my he came back from the war and served our country and like i might have a little bit more respect for him and maybe hey. it'd be like if preston came up to you and said hi dad and you're like don't call me dad call me god well, it, yeah, yeah. Well, remember when you were, remember when you were five and six, you called me God. Like, I know that you're 22 now, and you just graduated college, and you got. But what, wouldn't you it know, be nice if you still called me that? Know, just call, just it's not dad. Just call me God. Just call me God. It's <laughs> yeah. okay. And uh, I'll give you the stone tablets. <laughs> I think I think that's uh, that's, and it it shows you where DiCaprio's at with you know because you're not sure if he's simple or if he's smart or if he knows you know like you kind of have a pretty good idea because he's drinking on the the train and. You know, he's walking around that he's he's figuring things out, but he did serve in the war, and then you find out he was he was a cook. You know, mm-hmm. which is it, dude. Uh, the writing in this thing, uh, the spinning of everything is phenomenal in terms of like we're gonna like even as a cook, you know, I I'd have to imagine that some people would be like, okay, like what you do, what you really do, you know? Yeah. And King Hale uh, goes in and t- turns it into you know a very patriotic deed to serve these men food as they were you know and made it very. Um, uh yeah uh, i'm trying a, a purpose you know being mm. there like you were serving a purpose you weren't just there serving food you know yeah. and your little bit they and they do it constantly throughout this film as they take these very small things or some things that you would consider maybe bad and spin it in such a way that gives it so much pride uh that you feel that all right maybe it isn't that bad the way he's talking about it now obviously He's such a good master manipulator too, and it's so well written that way. Yeah, that that's just kind of how you read it at first. That's what I, you know, and and obviously like when you when you, you it it went, if I was in there, it'd probably be the first one. I'd be like, whoa, hold, okay, you know, <laughs> hey, unk, like I know I said king, but I'm gonna go back to uncle now. Yeah, like, this hey, is all little. How does bombing my sister in law and her husband? Yeah, a good thing. 
Can yeah. you explain that to Dude, me a bit? Come back to must use too much dynamite. <laughs> yeah, and like, the fucking block is just leveled oh, completely. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Uh, Leo's character reminds me a lot of. Um, have you seen The Master? No, with, that's a movie that I got. That's one you should check out. Movies. Uh, that is a movie that. Well, it came out before I was really, you know, thinking critically about movies, and and it kind of seems like it'd be a little dry for me. But now it's really. I think you would, my interest in like. I think you would like it, especially Philip Seymour Hoffman and Joaquin Phoenix. Yes. Joaquin Phoenix's character reminds me a lot of Leo's in this, where yeah. he's a very simple man just kind of following orders doesn't really have much of a purpose except for the purpose that the you know overbearing dominant character kind of gives them yep gives them a sense of like community yep i would say joaquin phoenix's character is a little bit more mentally unstable than uh leo's which is saying a lot in this movie well but uh he wasn't it wasn't like he was mentally unstable he just had no idea of like he he was so common sense he was smart enough to understand what his uncle wanted him to do but he wasn't smart enough to understand what his uncle was doing to him like it's like the way he was influencing him i'll and like, just say this and i'll tie into a different movie the uncle played the orchestra leo played in the band yes yeah that is a good wow I, i'm proud of that i recognize where you're going with that yes uh our you're next welcome. our next topic yeah um <laughs> for those who are wondering yeah but um no, it's one of those things where, like, I can see a lot of other movies' DNA in this and how much I appreciate it and like it and where it's going. Um, it feels very much like it could be a companion piece to something like The Master, yeah. just in terms of, like, the themes and the characters and the way they're written. Except, you know, it's a real... Well, I, I think The Master is loosely based on some events that happened, it's right? It's kind of Scientology. It's or... kind of like a tongue-in-cheek look at, like, Scientology. And, yes. Um, obviously the character name's different and the situation's right. a little bit different, but it's very much inspired by L. Ron Hubbard. Uh, you but, know, kind of going along with how this is inspired by true events. Well, too. I mean, this is actually like, I mean, these are real people. These I, are, I, these I, are I, things that ha- Ernest Burkhart is a real person. I had to look it up. I mean, and when you talk about like in the movie, you kind of have the gist of like, I don't know if he knew good and bad, like in real life, I mean, he went to, he went to prison, came back, had a girlfriend and they went and stole like eight grand from. Um, I don't know if it was, I don't know if Molly ended up having any sisters left or not. Uh, it was another uh, yeah, community know. member of the Osage tribe that he stole money from and went back to prison for another 10 years. So like I read that and I was like, Oh, I guess he probably was just a bad person. And they made him a little bit more conflicted it's, in the movie. That's what I found really interesting is the way, especially the ending of this movie, not to like skip too far ahead. No, just the way yeah. it like presents the information at the end to you of like the real life people mm-hmm. and what you saw in the film is an interesting choice to me because Scorsese does paint him a little bit sympathetic when it comes to the suffering that his wife is going through and like the love he asked for her and like the genuine feelings that he gets with his family and his wife. And then he goes and does like all this horrible shit. It's interesting to me how you look at the real life person and you have almost less sympathy for them than what you were just shown well, on screen in a fictional here's, setting. Here's what we don't get to see is Bill Smith talking about how Ernest buys all the things with Molly's money. Like mm-hmm. he, there's a lot of things that was alluded to that he was doing that had we seen as audience members, we'd probably be like, 
feels a little bit more like a money grab than it does for but because we don't actually see him using that money most of the interactions that he has with molly is of that of a caring nature right um that it leads you to make you're with the information given you're making your own assumptions on how he is which is a it's a beautiful way of doing it and if you want to make a conflicted character don't show some of those outside elements that would impact our judgment yeah. of them only present it in a light of hey when i'm with molly like i am taking care of her you know i am in in to some extent and you know and and let's just keep him simple that he doesn't know it. we're gonna really f- have him butcher the blackie deal and we'll make him so like show that he has no common sense and literally can only do as ordered and if there's a variable in that situation he will not understand how to react to it you yeah. know and and that's how like when you get to the medicine point and and what he's doing with the vial and doing the mount like there's a there's there's two sides of it one he knows exactly what he's doing and it's tearing him apart as he kind of shows as like man like i know this is killing her but i got the same token i gotta keep her alive long enough or two he doesn't know and he's just freaking out because you know it's 1920 western medicine is still you know doctors doing coke and figuring things out (laughs) leeches baby yeah yeah we'll get that we'll clean up that (laughs) blood right away uh-huh. And freaking out because he's like, man, it's only getting worse, and I'm doing exactly as I've been told to do that will make her better, you know. And that's where you get into a lot of that gray area of, is he good? Is he bad? And it's kind of funny because like you're rooting for him to do the right thing, but you're but you know he's not going to. Uh, no, not necessarily. I mean, at at, at he at eventually a certain, does. At a certain, mm, he kind of does, but at a certain point, you kind of lose the sense of like this guy is is is. I don't want to say you lose the sense that he's conflicted, but you lose the sense that he has like total control over everything and that he's just following everything that his uncle wants him to do. Yeah. So it's one of those things where like, well, that's I'm conflicted, but I'm also like not expecting him to do anything good at this point either. I mean, he eventually does. He eventually does, but it's, it's, that's what the beauty of his character and the writing of it is, is that like, it's not cartoonishly monstrous, but at the same time, he's not like, overly sympathetic because i think it's one of those things where like if they had leaned too far into you need to feel bad for this guy specifically then it kind of dilutes the whole true events of what took place with the real person i don't think the way that the way that i saw it is i don't think at at some point you kind of cut ties with him doing um Shouldn't say whether he's doing it right or wrong. You want him to cut ties with his uncle and understand, you yes. know, that you need to take a bigger stance in what you know and what you should do. And he does. And I think that's that's part of that character growth that you get with him. Mm. Is that by the end of it, you've you've, you've kind of washed away all the sympathy that you have for him and it eventually just gets to the point of dude do something for the situation if not for, for yourself, yourself. Yeah. do something for yourself you've lost everything you know you're losing everything finally like recognize that what's been going on isn't right mm-hmm. you know and that's where like that's why this movie's so frustrating throughout the whole thing is because like you're just watching people getting taken advantage of and there's no help and and they could go to anyone that they see and be like you know this isn't right and they would just laugh and go yes but you've got a shit ton of money <laughs> like yeah, yeah. i'm sorry that it happened to be you why don't you stick up for yourself you yeah. know and, and that's where it gets really like you're looking at at the little guy in the situation and just feeling like so bad for him and then you're looking at 
um, Ernest, and it's I, it's not like he's a little guy and he's not the big guy in it. You know, he's just a fu- he's just a middle he's man. Just a, he's just a cog in the machine. Yeah, and it's like, all right, like eventually at some point, dude, either stand by these people or just fucking cut ties and just admit that you've been bad the whole time. And I think that's what keeps you throughout the runtime of this. Uh, keeps you interested the most is right. it's like you have that person to follow at least there's some level of sympathy there because if you just followed William King Hale then it would feel almost too hopeless I think if you were just sticking with his point of view and you didn't really oh, see Leo too much yeah then it would it would be almost nothing, gratuitous nothing would nothing would happen right it nothing wouldn't would it wouldn't keep your engagement like no. you're saying well that so the redundancy comes from all these events and events that are happening because at some point and it's not like to knock you know people are getting killed and people are losing their lives and obviously this is like a big it's a it's a tragedy going on but like it's almost like all right take the same event just shift in another face and mm. i and like i don't because I don't want to sound so callous talking about it. But right. There is a certain level of redundancy when you're telling a story that that comes into it. It's like, hey, you skip along and, you know, and let's let's acknowledge that these events have happened and that obviously no one's rooting for these events to happen. But like, we don't need to keep showing them. But, you know, it, at some point, at least for me, the feeling was I've lost. I've become kind of a shell watching this thing of like having yeah. any sort of emotional connection. But there's a tingle in my spine because I'm waiting for someone to do the right thing. And I had that same exact feeling, especially considering that the movie is very long. Yes. Because at a certain point, and this might be a bit of a criticism of mine, too. I appreciate the fact that Martin Scorsese is telling these events as authentically as he wants to in the way that he, you know, wanted to go about it in the most respectful way with Mm -hmm. the Osage tribe. At the same time, it's one of those things where this is, at the end of the day, a movie that I'm watching for art and entertainment purposes. And after a while, I started to feel this feeling of, like you said, kind of growing a shell around what was happening in the events of the film where... I appreciate everything that's being shown to me, but what is the difference between this scene that I'm being shown now and the last scene in terms of the goals of the movie and how it's trying to make me feel? Because it's making me feel the exact same way I felt the last time, and it almost kind of feels like... I want to say the movie's kicking me while I'm down because I'm just watching it. I didn't go through these events, but at the same time, it's like, I get it. I get what you're displaying to me. I get what you're conveying to me. Is this going to change, get worse, get better, or stay the same? Yeah. And eventually, you know, it does change, and the movie goes into a dynamic that becomes very interesting, especially the last, what, hour of this movie? But Mm -hmm. at the same time, it's one of those things where, like, how much of this can I sit through and still just get the same thing from the last scene, you know? Yeah. And it's, I like, I, I think, purposely speaking, he did it to kick everyone while they're down because you feel it's like I, I can't sink much lower and then you do mm-hmm. you know and it I, that's why I say like I think that shell that you talk about you it you start to become desensitized to and maybe that's the point of it maybe that's the sort of like goal he had where it's like you're gonna grow numb to this because like in this situation people around it grew numb to it exact that's and I think that's kind of th- yes that's why I think it was purposely done like that mm. and I'm not I, Listen, I'm not going to knock it because at the end of the day, at three and a half hours, I was sitting straight up in my seat, never once yawned, and was like, 
I don't know how long I've been watching this for, but I definitely know that I'm still waiting for something good to come out of this. And I think that's a testament to how well this thing is shown and mm -hmm. played out. Uh, and I also think too, like like we talked about, is purposely speaking, like yeah, like you you're you're gonna become another member of this tribe as you watch these horrific things happen, and just have no say in how it goes besides what I show you, mm -hmm. you know. And I think that's why that's that plays into what he does. And if you if you like that, you know, and you want to, I don't want to say feel that, but definitely have respect for it. Then yeah, it's great. Um, like entertainment purposes and stuff it it definitely it loses that entertainment value you know but as we talk about them it's not all entertainment there is art and there's a story to be shown right. there's a purpose there yeah so i i i don't knock it at all i, I read some reviews mm -hmm. on it and i was trying to get my 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 exact feeling on it and yeah. just talking about it i i i like that it occurred that way because like it's a weird it's a weird sensation to be completely like all right who's got to die next and still wanting like you're looking at Ernest being like you're a fucking moron like please got stand up for yourself right and just keep grow a spine yeah and <laughs> just watching him just keep like oh getting deeper and deeper um can we talk about Lily Gladstone for a bit sure um I thought she was fucking great yeah I think she was one of my favorite parts of the movie by far and I would be surprised if she didn't get nominated for supporting actress in the award season oh, next year. If they have it because of the fucking strikes. But um, I think that she stands out so much in this movie. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And it makes me curious to see like any other movies she's been in. And I hope that she gets more roles after this because I really like her in this movie. Like I thought everyone. Yes. Everyone's yes. great. Like Leo kind of like to me, he completely disappears into that character. Like, oh, God. Yeah. It's very. Leo's one of those guys where like you see him in a movie and he's coming out in something and you think, am I going to be able to separate Leo from this character? Am I going to be able to not see Leonardo DiCaprio? And then I watch him and then, you know, he completely disappears into it and he surprises me almost every time. Okay. I was about to say, dude, cause I, come on, you can't name a, like a role that you've seen where it's like, oh, just Leonardo. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like he yeah, surprises me. It's yeah. one of those guys where like I look at him, I think I'm not going to have that separation but you then know I do. you're in good hands if you go and see him in a movie yeah like that's one of the nice things about him is like as much as you're like god i'm just nervous about it he always delivers yeah like probably the weakest thing i would say i'd seen him in is don't look up but even then that's a role that i don't think was the best written for him anyway that movie just wasn't the best movie no yeah i don't think anyone in that movie disappeared no i don't <laughs> think so um Except uh, maybe Timothy Chalamet's handsome face. Um, I don't know what that means. But <laughs> also, De Niro's very good in this. I had mm, not saying that I had a struggle with separating him, but like I definitely still saw De Niro doing his thing on screen, which I always like. Yeah, it's one of those things where like, okay, he's going to give a serviceable, good performance, and he's going to give it his all. But it, at the end of the day, it's still De Niro. I like you see, De, it's like it's mafia De Niro. Yeah, like, that's kind of it's how like I, country mafia De Niro yeah. set in like the nineteen twenties. Yeah, like you're watching him, it's like all right, that's it's you know he's playing William King Hale. It's still De Niro, but like I I like De Niro. I like De Niro in these roles because it's like. I just it's boss De Niro. I mean, it, you know, like yeah. even in Heat, like I I never or like good Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like you watch, he's so uh, typecast, you know. And not to say that this role is is exactly typecast, but I mean it does fit into like elements of like uh, 
Goodfellas and and um uh not, not he. I'm trying to think what other movie came out in the Casino. Night. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I think he's a little different in Casino, if I remember correctly. I've yet to um, see that one. That one's on my list. Yeah. So, uh, she was awesome. Lily Gladstone. Really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was fantastic. I was kind of wondering when she went into her fever state of like, all right, where are we? You know, I want I want to see more of her taking charge and trying to do the right thing mm-hmm. and figure things out. I don't want to see her just laying on this bed. Right, you know. and you do see a lot of emotional range with her acting abilities mm-hmm. in the movie. It's just that it's not as like bombastic or in your face as something like Leo or something like De Niro. Yeah, that wasn't her character. The, in, the, you know, her right. character from the get go is very like kind of straight line, yeah. very pragmatic, um, matter of fact type of character who still has like a lot of like emotional beats to offer when it's called for in the story. Like mm-hmm. that scene where she's in the basement when she finds out her sister died. Yeah. Was probably one of the most like gun wrenching parts of the movie. Yeah. At least for me. Cause I was like, damn this, like she's really selling this and I'm convinced that she's actually grieving for a lost loved one. And I thought it was really fucking well done. <laughs> she, uh, yeah, she goes through a lot. She goes through a shit. Ton. She goes through so much. And the, the crazy thing is like when you just seeing her, seeing facial expressions and seeing them and just realizing how worn out she is because it's not it's not just loved ones it's just what she's seen through the time and and what's happened throughout her life and what she knows happened to her parents and it's just like it's like oh yeah she's calm it's like well you're kind of just looking at a person that's it's not necessarily giving up it's like i've just i have to operate within this small territory because I, there's not much more else I can do. I have no influence and no one listens to me, mm-hmm. you know? And then also too, with that scene specifically, Leo's reaction to her, like in that grieving process is just also very telling with his character too. Cause you're just getting the reaction from his face. Like, look at what you're putting this woman through. Look at what you're putting this person through who you're like supposed to care about. That goes to the confliction that he has. So he's sitting there. He's like, I mean, I love this girl. But my uncle said that I had to do it. I yeah. don't know, like, you know, and and it makes you wonder just how much he. I I think like heart of hearts. I'm like just watching. Like I think he genuinely loved her, and I think that he he he, he was sixty forty. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't like un unconditionally attached to this person, but at the same token, it wasn't like completely using her. Yeah, it was more of like. I want to get the money a little bit more than I want you in my life, but I still love you. Like you could say it was fifty one forty nine. You know, like it's he um, definitely expressed that he cared for her, but at the same token, just couldn't realize what he was doing. Yeah, and because he's he's unsympathetic to it, like you got to be like, all right, dude, just shit's fucked up yeah. i liked the guy who played his brother too, Byron. He is in. I recognized him in El Camino. Uh, Oh, not to give anything one away, the, he's yeah. one of the the uh, tow truck guys or whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's also in The Last of Us. I haven't seen that yet. I need to. He's one of the two. There's two really good episodes I like. One made me cry, and one made me like, like, 
oh man, this is really comp- like you could say compelling, not necessarily a shit you haven't seen, just what's going on in the story. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, he's in that episode, and okay, he's fin- like I saw him, I was like, I hope this guy gets more roles. This guy's really- good at playing fucking scumbags. Yeah, he did that in <laughs> The Last of Us. <laughs> yeah, it was, that was his. Job. He's just got like such a snake like quality in the way he looks and acts. It's so it's so fitting for that role. I really yeah. liked him in that too. It, 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 yeah, it's like I don't know if you're just natural or if you actually have to pull this off. But one of my like favorite minor roles in this movie mm-hmm. uh and then jesse plemons pops up about you know in the in the fourth act he of i've this film. never yeah fifth act uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. i've never like had my heart raised so much for rooting for someone as when he showed up it's like i would have been okay if the movie just was about him and he's the protagonist now and oh, he, yeah. he essentially kind of is a, a little bit a little bit he's like the one that you know is gonna like come in and change the dynamic at the very least yeah and y- he provides a very good feeling every time you see him on screen. He's like the polar opposite of Leo in that role where he's in control. He's totally calm the entire time. Like you never see him get emotional or upset. And that's for sure within Jesse Plemons wheelhouse. Like he very much plays very similar characters like that. Yeah. Like in power of the dog or like fucking I'm thinking of ending things characters that are very like mild mannered and, Yes. know the situation he's very good at that and i liked him in that role he was like you just you know he's calculated and he 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 takes things in he listens he observes and he speaks when he knows what's going on everything that he says feels like it has a purpose yeah um what did you think of brennan frazier our boy because i'm i wasn't that i wasn't too it was not. I, it was kind of distracting, wasn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. Yes. Like it, it, it's one of those things where I was kind of conflicted about it when I first saw it, and then I was like, oh, maybe I'm kind of warming up to it. But after thinking about it, it's really one of those things that almost feels like, oh, it's an MCU moment. Like, oh, look, this guy's here. Isn't he, that cool? He did not do a good job. I, I just, th- just you could say it. It's he oversold right. not- it, and I think it's one of those things where. <laughs> If he had just reined it in a little bit and was a little more subtle about it and it wasn't presented in this way of like, oh, look, it's Brendan Fraser, then I would have liked it more probably. Yeah. But the way it was presented was just way too on the nose for me. Yes. No, he, yes. He, and there was six people in the movie theater. Especially for such a minor character. You only see him in like two scenes. That's it. Or like three scenes. He popped up and people were whispering and I was like, oh okay like i guess we're doing that yeah i mean good for him like he just won an oscar now he gets to be in other movies but i'm not uh, i'm not gonna listen you get in there you just gotta knock it out of i mean hopefully not everyone in the in the world's being like do you think brennan fraser kind of overacted and like he doesn't get another good role but he definitely like did not he he stood out so much in this thing and it wasn't it was distracting yeah it wasn't it didn't serve a purpose for what he had to do like Mm -hmm. it you're playing like unless nineteen twenty lawyers at that time. That's how they acted. That I don't know about and haven't read a biography or seen any documentary on. Like I have no idea. That's why it felt it just outlandish. Well, like, it's one of those things where like he just kind of pops up like eighty percent through the movie. Where I guess if we had maybe seen him and gotten used to his character earlier, then maybe it wouldn't be so he, bad. It he, wouldn't feel like such a fucking weird mic drop. It it. I, I, I was fine. Well, the reason why they do it, I think, is because you're at this point where you don't know what's going to go on with King Hale, and all of a sudden you introduce this new character that's got a very recognizable face, and you get worried that, 
oh no, he's going to take charge and step up and defeat, you know, he's going to take Ernest down. Like we want people to know that this guy's a big deal. Yes. And that this is not going the way that you think it is. Cause if it was just Joe blow or another jobber in there, it would have been like, oh shit, he's fucked. You know? Yeah. And all of a sudden you get Brendan Fraser in there and people are whispering in the theaters. Hey, isn't that, him? you know, it's like, oh, I wonder what it's he's the gonna, whale. Yeah. I wonder what he's going to do. You think he's going to eat two pizzas at the same time. And then, <laughs> and then he gets, they, they get Ernest into the weird spank, chamber and he starts screaming at him spank chamber yeah it was I, i've never I been forgot like, about that scene it, it was, I, it's been a while since i've been like completely uncomfortable with something so childlike and that made me uncomfortable when, when your brother and your dad are spanking the shit out of you because you won't poison your wife yeah <laughs> arms right here Arms right here, all right, and he grabs him and just and now you see that wooden pad. I was like, oh, Jesus! Or what was Christ. it? It was after he told uh, Blackie about his uh, car yeah. to get the insurance <laughs> <What>? money. <laughs> they just fucking beat his ass. That's literally. what I'm saying. Like you're like, how dumb is he? It's like he couldn't get. He could. He had to convince Blackie to. He realized that he fucked up so bad that after that point, he just told everyone that they were messing with King Hale and that King Hale would have something for him because he couldn't solve problems on his own yeah and it was it was at that point where he, he goes oh, i'm gonna get a sweet deal on it you can take the car and then i'll get the insurance money <laughs> the insurance people call the cops <laughs> and it's a fucking red sports car like right it couldn't be more obvious when he did that there's a lot of the insurance stuff in this thing because i didn't realize that king hale like also committed like a shit ton of insurance fraud because like yeah it's not surprising the, the henry thing was kind of like Oh, he doesn't value these people at all. They're just insurance claims. And he takes them under their wing and then he kills them and collects the money, mm. you know, which is like god awful. Um, yeah. So there's a whole lot doesn't play to the insurance side. But when Leo's or Ernest is going through the deal with Black, he's like, I'll give you my car. I'll collect the insurance money. You get a free car. I'm like, Something just doesn't add up here. Like, yeah, it, you're gonna. If be you driving, thought about this a little bit, then it doesn't make any fucking sense. But because you're such a simple fucking character, yeah. I guess it's in your wheelhouse. And it, you're in town with the guy. Like, <laughs> right. why would? It, oh, there's another red sports car there by the miner that makes you know fifty cents digging up the oil. Yeah. Like, the hey. I just stole Max's car. Uh, you know, I'm just gonna ride it around town. Oh, what do you mean the police are after me? Yeah, <laughs> what? <laughs> Both Wait, of how them do you, are idiots, how right? How do you know this is Max's car? <laughs> like fucking Blackie's like should be like, hey, you know, like, well, what if? You know, both of them just go, yeah, you get the car and I get the money. It would have been like, one thing if Blackie left town, but he's just driving around the fucking place, like, yeah. you know, it's just a normal day. So so fucking weird, and it, then. Uh, before we kind of wrap up, because we are kind of getting oh, to yeah. the yeah. other movie, well, we're it's just talk like about. the movie itself. I mean, um, it's- yes, it's this is a three and a half hour podcast <laughs> just about Killers of the Flower Moon, which it could be. Honestly, there's a lot to talk about. Yes. Um, one thing I wanted to make sure to bring up though before we wrap up is the ending and the way it's presented. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was curious your thoughts on it because it's one of those things where I'm still kind of like formulating how I feel about it. And obviously like when the meat and potatoes of the story wraps up and you denim is that what they call it? What do they call it? The, the like weird stage play that they put on. No, no, no. Yeah. But it's after the climax of the film, there's like that little wrap up. I can't remember the, the, um, theatrical term for it. Yeah. In terms of writing, there's a certain capsulation after the film. I liked it. I'll just say that. I liked it. I did The have... stuff where they're on stage and they're kind of like telling you the, the yeah, story. Yeah, I know what we're talking. I'm trying to come up with, 
Yes, fancy I get that words. Part, <laughs> the what it's actually called because they do it in other films where the climax of the movie is technically ended the film, but they have an extra 10, 15 like, minutes yeah. where they kind of like they they close ties, you mm-hmm. know. And I don't remember exactly what it's called, but yes, in this film. I liked it. I liked having that information about what was going on with it. I thought they did it in a very fun way that was of the times. So mm. I can consider it, you know, it was, I thought it was apropos to what was going on uh, with stories like that. That's probably how they would have read them off on the radio. Right. I really liked the sound effects that they did with it. Um, it, felt, it was very fun. It was kind of, I, I don't want to call it cheeky because it kind of served a purpose but it was it, it's something. presented in a bit of a tongue-in-cheek way a yeah, little bit but you know it's especially the language they use it's, it's on the radio so it's not like they're filming it it's not like people get to see it so i mean all the sound effects and stuff would be what you'd have to put on a show for people listening to like and the robbers got away that was a you good know? sound effect so you're welcome that's free you guys can <laughs> Copy it to your soundboard. That one's um, free. <laughs> uh, so I liked it. I didn't. I didn't have an issue with it. And I, I don't know if you're going like it didn't. It, yeah, to some extent, it didn't fit the tone of the film. But I also feel like after watching all that, you'd have to do something to kind of pull people out. It's one of those things where like, you can, all right, time to get out of the water. Like, yeah, the the meat and potatoes of the story is done. And I I'm trying to remember how exactly the main story ends because it ends with. Lily Gladstone asking Ernest, uh, or Molly asking Ernest, uh, what were you giving me? And then he like kind of like hesitates for a while, and then he like meekly says, it was insolent, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, obviously she sees through his bullshit. She walks out, never fucking sees him again. Yep. You get that information presented to you where it's like, oh, she remarried. <laughs> uh, she got with someone else, blah, 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 moved on, died 10 years later. Ernest spent his life in jail. William King Hale died in a nursing home. And then it cuts into the the presentation of it where it, it you know, it's like you were saying, um, kind of like pulls you out of the water a bit, tells you like, oh, this is these that's are what actually though. happen. Um, yeah, that's how they did it. They didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those things where like. If this was not in the movie, I don't think I would be unhappy, but it's one of those things where it's offering like a different kind of a different feel. Um, I don't know if I'd really seen a movie do something like that before where Martin Scorsese goes on screen and just reads the different kind of epilogues that the real life people had gone through and like how their lives had turned out. And I don't know. It's, it's an interesting kind of dynamic that I'm still trying to formulate my thoughts on. Yeah, if that I, makes I know, any sense of what I just said, a little bit. I know you hold you hold the stories, and you don't. I mean, it's it's like a breaking of the fourth wall, you know. Exactly. I, yeah, there are people, and I, like I don't have issues with it when it happens because it becomes very um, surreal at at moments, you know, where these movies you're supposed to be viewing it, not actually in it, however you want to view it. So yeah, there's it, like a level of disconnect all of a sudden. Yeah, and that's where I think it, it could be jarring at times. Um, I don't have that issue, so that's why I don't like it because I always view it as like it doesn't... You, that camera could be facing into Martin Scorsese's eyes and he could be looking at me his, saying his that. His big bushy eyebrows. Yeah, and I would still be viewing it as, <laughs> you know, this guy on the TV's reading off information. So I didn't... I, it wasn't jarring to me. I actually thought... Um, 
in my like in my head, it's like, all right, you close the curtain, you know, the movie ends, the story ends, and then they pull it back out, and here it is. It's like almost like the actors coming back on stage to read off, like this was just an an act. This is like, and this is how this these events really uh, played out after all mm-hmm. this happened, right. you know. And I th- that's why I thought it was fun. I thought it was cleverly done, and I think they had to do it in a way. Yeah, I don't hate it. That like pulled the audience members, like, because you just go through all this shit, and the movie ends with him losing his wife, which he rightfully should, because, you know, it's like we're we're all like, does he know? Doesn't he know? And then he doesn't have the heart to be like, yeah, I was poisoning you, and she fucking knew it the whole time. And it's kind of like you're just like, okay, I just saw like a kid just died, you know, like these people are going to jail. A lot of stuff's happened. Like, holy fuck! And then you know, it's a lot like, of heavy shit. Yeah, a lot of heavy shit. Let's figure out a way to kind of tell you guys in a fun, light, light manner, while still carrying. Let's ease you out of it. Yeah, some of the. <laughs> Let's not keep punching you in the face until the end of the movie. Yeah, like imagine if Molly just got on there and and all of a sudden she she just started reading off like what they did, or like you see her die or something. Yeah, and it's you know, well, you still have to have the yeah, or you just they go through and they show like. You know, they show King Hale getting thrown in jail, or they and the, or the movie ends with him sitting in a retirement home, just rocking back and forth, kind of smirking, you know, being like, "If Ernest would have listened, we would have all we'd all be rich by now," you know, or like, mm. there's there's a he definitely was like, "All right, we're gonna be done with that. Let's just get you guys." This is kind of how it unfolded here, and uh, in a way that will, will stick with you, presumably, you know, and it does stick with you, and it's one of the more memorable parts of the movie by far. Um, I just thought it was at least worth noting before we kind of wrapped oh, up. Yes, I, I agree. I, I liked it. So I don't know if, if you, it sounds like you, you did. I'm still just, thinking about it. Yeah. I'm still thinking about it. So, I didn't hate it yeah. for sure. And it was definitely creatively done, which I think we yes. can both agree on and say that like it, whether or not you like it, don't like it, it's creatively done in a manner that probably best suited for after a movie like that. Mm-hmm. Um. So real quick before we wrap up, I just want to talk about my theater experience because obviously it being Uh-oh. a longer movie, I'm pretty sure they were playing Five Nights at Freddy's next to the theater that we were in. Yes. Because I could hear a lot of like horrific like mechanical noises <laughs> happening and it happened twice. And I'm pretty sure Five Nights at Freddy's is a movie where you could play that movie twice in a row and still have the entire runtime of oh, yeah. Killers of the Flower Moon to get through. Pretty like, damn close. Like you probably, it probably, if you started at the same time, they'd have to give it, clean it up, start it back up. You'd probably be three quarters of that film on the second I, on viewing, the second go around. Yeah, yeah, as you're like kind of wrapping up killers. So I'm glad at the very least it wasn't the Taylor Swift concert next to us. I'm pretty sure that's what I had. Really, uh, I couldn't. I I really. And I'm not saying that as a joke. I don't. I was trying to in my head think of like what movies were going on because there was a movie next to us with a bunch of college. Like it sounded like college chicks laughing, and that was probably Taylor Swift having like a good time and stuff. And like I was like, is someone fucking talking in this thing? Like, and there's only like there was eight people. There's two up in the way back, two right behind us, and two like a couple sitting down in front. And I was like, I don't think there's anyone in here that would be like that. And I could just hear him, and it sounded almost like you know, Bad Moms or whatever that movie was. Oh, yeah. And so I was like, I don't know if this because there was people laughing and it sounded bubbly. And that's why, like, as soon as you said, because I was trying to think, like, what did I hear next to us? Because there are very lulls in this thing where you can hear you can hear your own thoughts, uh-huh. you know, as, as we're just scanning the fucking the great earth that is Oklahoma in November. And uh, like, you just hear like, oh, my God, blah, 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 oh, my God, oh, 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 oh. And, she's uh, playing 
1989. I was like, I was like staring at the corner of the theater because like it's just coming from that side, and mm-hmm. like I'm staring at this like black yeah. corner. I'm like, it was coming from the left of us like oh, the was whole it? time. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was just a little bit more. I guess both sides are pretty jarring. Well, at least with the Five Nights at Freddy's movie, there were moments of like, okay, at least there's some downtime in that movie, so I don't have to hear it the entire well, I time. I don't. I only heard. Th- I only heard it three or four times in this thing. Like I was yeah. very engaged with what was going on and Me thinking too. and stuff. And like, but like when you get to those moments where like he's like in a Terrence Malick film of just looking around and you just hear the wind howling, that's when it would kind of pop up and. Yeah. Um, last thoughts for me too. Besides, before I we cut it, because I know we are running long here. But the FBI started from this, right? They called it the Bureau of Investigation, mm-hmm. right? Then it turned into the Federal Bureau of Investigation. So it's the, mostly about the creation of the FBI and being able to assist. I was wondering if you had any thoughts, you know, within your thirty seconds or whatever you want to take. Clemens was a Texas Ranger right yeehaw so i was curious as and and chuck norris had that famous title of texas you know walker texas ranger yeah 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 yeah. and i was trying to think i was like you know what it really isn't shocking that the texas rangers became very good detectives because if you think about the midwestern times and how expansive texas is if someone were to commit a crime and take off through texas you'd have to get a tracker on the on the trail right Mm -hmm. one of the the texas rangers so I was wondering if you if that if that any of that stood out with you and thought about like oh wow that is, it's kind of like a funny coincidence but like if you were to think about to pick a state to have someone lead an investigation especially around that time mm-hmm. you know that he happened to be a Texas Ranger so uh, just a little fun thing that I, I stood out to me yeah I'll think about it more so the next time I watch it it's one of those things that I didn't really like pay too much mind to because I I was just thinking about like Did the you say story the next time you watch it. Yeah, tomorrow. <laughs> Throw it on before breakfast. <laughs> before breakfast and during lunch. Boy, that'll get your day off, right? I can see myself watching this movie again. I just need to obviously give it some time because, I mean, it is a commitment. And it's one of those things where, like, it's a it's a lot of heavy subject matter that, uh, you know, not necessarily the most fun thing to sit through and experience, but it yeah, is entertaining and it is interesting. Yes, I agree with that. I'm also kind of I want to hear you watch The Irishman and then I'll probably watch that soon. Yeah, watch that. And then uh, after you watch that, tell me if you're going to re when you think the, the next time you re- watch rewatch either one of them and what one would be the first one you would rewatch. I will do that for sure soon. I will and I'll I'll have it chambered because I'm very curious because I watched this and I kind of was like this was this is a really good film. Uh, I don't know the next time I will just throw this on and be like, uh, hey, we're, we're I've done a lot of shitty things. Like the only way I could think of is like I've done a lot of shitty things. I want to make myself feel better mm-hmm. and then throw on Ernest Burkhart and be like, oh yeah, no, I haven't done that bad. Yeah, yeah. I'm not that big of a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, shall we get into ratings? Yeah, I do. I'll go first. Okay. Since, unless you want to go first, do we no. go about? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Then I'll give Jobs the or Steve Jobs. Um, I gave this a nine out of ten. Nice. Yeah, I I gave this a nine out of ten. I I really thought the characters were well written, uh, very compelling. Uh, and the fact of the matter is, and I know I could hear some people being like, "That's a slog of a film." It's like 
No, you know, if if that thing, if it's three and a half hours and I am still engaged and wanting more and to keep, even if I'm like, this is getting redundant, this is like, yeah, it's purposely done and it, it, it does it, it, it served to its effect. Yeah. You know, and I thought. I agree with that. I think the only thing that really ever took me out is a little bit of the, the, the score. Uh, and I really like the score, but there are times where it's like it just keeps in the background going and going and going. It's very droning. A lot of the time, like like I talked about in the Batman, I don't know if this is a new thing with films as we go along when we, they start to realize, all right, we're going to lose some audience members. Yeah, let's keep that like whatever you know. And this one, it happened to just be that drum, the boom, the boom, the boom, and it's like I don't know if that's serving as adrenaline. If I'm supposed to be nervous, if this is like, hey, this is not a great situation that she's in with Ernest right now. You know, it might look that way, but it's not. Yeah. So, uh, nine out of ten. Uh, this is a very solid eight out of ten for me. Nice, um, very enjoyable overall. Um, really, I did feel the runtime. It's one of those things where, as the scenes kept going with the the way they were making me feel each time, I was wondering how much I was going to get out of it, and I eventually did get a lot out of it because I really do think it's a good film. Uh, still formulating my thoughts on like how I feel about the way the endings presented, and. Uh, yeah, no, I could see myself watching this again, maybe bumping it up in the future. Uh, one more thing. I like how cute little Martin Scorsese for my showing popped up and said, hey, thanks for coming to the theater to see this. I his, was wondering. His little bushy eyebrows on screen jumping up and down. <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's a cute little old man. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. Speaking of cute old men, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs> we watched a movie that you recommended called Steve Jobs. Now we watched the uh, Ashton Kutcher one, right? <laughs> yeah, don't that one doesn't exist? What? Uh, wait a minute. And that honestly, was the only one I watched. Neither of these would have existed if I didn't happen just to stumble on this one day uh, in my eyes. <laughs> and uh, boy, howdy, am I happy I did! So uh, this is the film you recommended. So I'll let you take this one away. Yeah. Well, this is a very it's a very simple one to just to hop into. The story's about uh, Steve Jobs, and it takes us kind of behind the scenes of him changing uh, human evolution forever. Um, it kind of looks at these backstage stories uh, as we're going through these very iconic launches that he was a part of. And, uh, yeah, it's directed by Danny Boyle, written by Aaron Sorkin, starring Michael Fassbender as uh, the titular Steve Jobs. You have Kate Winslet, who plays Johanna Hoffman. Um, Who's great in this movie. Yes. Yeah, she's awesome. Uh, Seth Rogen as Steve Wozniak. Jeff Daniels as John Scully. Uh, And then where is the other Andy at? Huh. Oh, Andy Hertzfeld? Yeah, Andy Hertzfeld. Why is he not? Let me see if I can find him. Um, oh, Michael no. Stolberg. Yeah, yep. Oh, he's right there. Very unrecognizable. Uh, and his... <laughs> his Wikipedia page is very more... It's a lot more this flattering his... than... All right, so you know the film, right? You remember him in the film? Yeah. That's... Does that, like... That does not look like Andy Hertzfeld. That looks like, right? uh, I don't know, Jason Statham's brother. That's... He's fifth build, and that's... What... I passed him immediately. Yeah. It's like, that's not even close. Um, He's a handsome dude. 
Yeah. In so, real life. <laughs> so not in this movie. They make him look like oh, such a weenie. Well, they make him look a little nerdy. A little nerdy. Uh, a little it's, geeky. It's kind of like uh it's a it's the gang of nerds and it's like you got Fosspenter playing Steve Jobs and uh mm-hmm. he, he he stands out quite a bit. Um Oh yeah. You know, so I mean that's that's it and and we get to look at that. So yes, I recommended this off of um I don't remember why we were talking about Faithful Findings. Oh no, no, it's one of the movies that I said I'd, I'd have in my history class, uh, or history yeah. class. But yeah, one of my five movies, and um, I think it still holds up for me. Uh, so yeah, nice. what, uh, dude? Just hop into first. Dive initial in, thoughts. dive deep, yeah, reach give, the bottom. Let's get. Let's just hop right into it. You're better at asking the questions than I am. I so. think. Um, what I really took away from this movie was the performances and the writing. I think that the character writing uh, is is very spot on. It's one of those types of writings for movies where it can almost risk feeling a little too polished and a little too clean. But then I remembered something like The Social Network, which is also written by Aaron Sorkin, mm-hmm. Um where he does have a good knack for like these character back and forth and the dynamic they have. And there is something really satisfying about watching characters like this interact with each other on this level where like they're all at the height of their game. They all know what they're talking about. They're all like dealing with some bullshit that they have a reply to five replies to uh, in the same instance. And there's just something really compelling about that. And overall, I really do like the way this movie's written. Yeah. Um, I like the way it's acted, especially from uh, Kate Winslet and Michael Fassbender. Yes. I think that they do such a good job. And it's an interesting choice to have this movie be presented in a way where you're focusing on three different periods of time when he's about to give a really important presentation in his life in the public. And you see the sort of behind the scenes dynamic of his family and his relationship with his coworkers and the company and the, the figureheads that are throughout his whole life, you know, like fucking Jeff Daniels and Mm -hmm. Andy Hertzfeld and Seth Rogen. Uh, I don't know. It's very compelling. It's one of those things where I kind of do struggle with the presentation of it a little bit in terms of the visuals and the dynamic of it, because the editing and the cinematography are something that I kind of struggled with. Cause really? it's, it's one of those things where like, I don't think they're bad, but the way it's presented, it felt like, and maybe this is just my own fault and I, I couldn't keep up with it, but it's one of those things where the movie itself was starting to get ahead of me. It was starting to kind of like lose me a bit in some areas. And at a certain point, I kind of told myself like, okay, I'm going to try my best to pay attention to what's going on, the character dynamics, the relationships of what's going on. But that's one of those things where, you know how I said earlier, it's almost a little too cleanly written. Well, things sometimes to me at least don't feel like they linger too much on the thing that they're on and they just move on to the next thing before it's even properly addressed. I recognize what it's doing and I recognize how purposeful it is. It's just for me personally, I don't know if that's something I can really fully get behind, you know, if that makes any sort of sense. Yeah, I don't know. All right, Ernest. <laughs> uh, Mac no. is about to leap out of his chair and punch me in the face. No, 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 because I, I get I, I'm still I get lost, too. I'm not going to say that you don't. There's there's <clears> when they get the second act of this thing, when they start talking about his move with next and what next is presenting and. They do a really, there's a really, I don't want to say a poor edit, 
uh, he's talking with John Scully, and they're going over the board, and they're going over about why he got fired. And that, why, that's the scene I think of when no, I think what, about my issues with every, some I, of the editing. The, I'm usually fairly good with keeping up with movies and what's going on. Even in this one, his move with Next and how they're going to get Apple to buy Next. And the reason why I have one of the issues with it is because he says we don't have an OS in it, but they're going to buy Next because of our OS. Mm-hmm. He goes, uh, our Tarvin or Tanvin, Tarvin, Tavin, some one of his chief engineers is going to come up with an OS that Apple will have to buy because they are not, um, they are not uh, innovating at the rate that I was innovating with them. They don't get that it, uh, you know, it, what Apple presents is more than just the the name Apple. Yeah, you know, it's we are revolutionizing, and they they can't keep up with his mind. You know, and that's why he created Next as a ploy to get them to buy it out. So some of the times, like when they go into the stuff, and I guess I get a little bit more annoyed is that they should have just presented that and left it as opposed to make it somewhat of a plot point in the second act to go over and really hash out with John Scully and you get to see. But um, if you just use that as sort of like a red herring with what's going on, Mm -hmm. it's more about the, the, what, he's about to do to john scully and yeah. how he, his he's setting up his next move and i think some of the, some of the information that gets thrown out in this thing like you, and i do agree because it's so cleanly written some of the information that comes out it's too much because it's too fast and it's not necessarily to say simple but they don't break down certain bigger moves but i don't think that's what the focus of the movie was it wasn't right. necessarily about you know him 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 getting apple to buy it they just wanted to use it and they had to use it as a plot device as john scully being in there so the conversation would have to revolve around the board and you know it was more of kind of like a a little bit of a chess match with with how to keep up with some of what steve jobs is doing with his company next and also what he's planning on doing to get apple back yeah um and like and that's you know and, and some of the times i think i'm a little bit more forgiving in movies when they use plot devices are like in this I, I, i'm gonna call it a red herring a little bit just with like throwing us off as audience members to mm. focus more about <clears throat> him struggling with like hey you're creating a thirteen thousand dollar computer that doesn't work yeah you know <coughs> um so yeah I, but i do agree i mean I, just watching this uh, i watched it last week with um the lovely jasmine and uh shout out you know, I was, I kind of was like, I always get to this part and I, my eyes start fluttering because <laughs> I'm like, I can't fucking remember. He says they're going to buy it because they don't have an OS. He doesn't have an OS. He's going to create an OS and they're going to buy it because of that OS that he doesn't have yet. Like that seems a little bit too, but you know, the nice thing is, I mean, he's, he's playing the orchestra, man. And that's mm. people. There are incredible people out there that have that vision to see that far ahead with chess moves. Yeah. I, it is it's something that I fully acknowledge. I like I like the way I like the way it's presented. I like the goal that they had in mind with presenting it that way. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, it's kind of putting you in the energy of it, the mind of Steve Jobs, kinda of how he worked as a character and as a person. Just very fast paced to the point, no yep. bullshit. Uh knows what he wants and is very honest about it. At the same time, it is one of those things where to me it felt like the presentation of the dialogue almost took precedence over the dialogue itself sometimes Mm -hmm. and the way it was edited and put together. It's one of those things that I have a hard time looking past. And I think obviously if I watch this movie again, I'll catch more of it because you know, some things were just straight up lost on me Oh yeah, and the situations that were happening. But 
that is kind of a bigger hang-up I have with this movie. Mm-hmm. Probably the biggest one I have um, in terms of like the editing and the style and the presentation of it all. That being said, I do like the structure of it for the most part and the way that it separates those kind of three acts Dude, very, it's... very obviously. But uh, it kind of shows the, the character going through these things while also remaining the same. Steve Jobs kind of in this movie comes across as someone who he has lessons that he needs to learn, but he almost takes like the wrong lessons from it. He, he goes at it at a very like pragmatic angle angle, excuse me, without really thinking about how it makes others feel or how it makes the people around him feel. He doesn't consider Steve Wozniak. He doesn't consider, uh, fucking uh what's her name joanna hoffman like he doesn't really consider his family even like he even denies that his daughter is his daughter for like the first good chunk of her life and i really like the way it's presented that way because like you do kind of see the shift without really like losing what made steve jobs steve jobs at least the way this movie presents him i i was thinking about it because i i i yes um because i love this film um I can tell. It, well, it's one of the films, man, that I, I always forget. I'm like, God, I really just... And he, like, it is Steve Jobs, and I think that's it kind of makes it more fun. But I also like to just imagine that... Because like, the, the way that this movie unfolds and who he is, it's almost like a fictionalized person. And obviously, it's... You know, they've taken some liberties, but even right. if he's as close to what they put on paper that Fassbender acted as, like... It's impressive. Like to me, it's, it's almost like I mean, he. There's so many quips that he has, and he's so far ahead of the game and understands so much of the strategy of what's going on in the business world that um, it just it. I'm always in awe watching it, and Fassbender does such a great job. Um, but one of the things I liked is he talked about um, it, it with the axes. You had so you know I'm thinking about. It, I'm like, well, there's three axes, and then I'm thinking there's almost three act like there's an act like three acts almost within an act you know mm-hmm. and i and obviously like i think the three act and i could be misspeaking here but the platform was developed for exposition with getting some rising action getting into the titular the problem at hand in the second act with with kind of getting into this is going to be the main issue that we have to solve then that third act of coming to the solution and sort of the conclusion of the of what's going on right Mm -hmm. like in the general skeleton sense of the three acts yeah right this almost had three acts within each act there's a yeah each each kind of segment had its own like rising climax and resolution in a way a little bit of an exposition of what's going on with the time right a little bit of a rising and falling action and and some sort of conclusion on to handle the problem at hand Mm -hmm. you know and i i really i love that that it this thing is layered and then throughout it the one through line with the growth that we have is his disconnect with his daughter that we eventually get at the end that he recognizes and we get to see that like he is still the person that he is, but he's also kind of like he's gone from like I named the fucking computer Lisa. You know what a coincidence is? He's t- he's telling this to a five year old. Like mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine just you know like so disconnected from any sort of like human emotion at that moment. Whatever, yeah. To the end of the film where he admits that he named Lisa after her. And yeah, and what's impressive to me is that it's a constant line that you have going through 
three acts within you know you have the three separate acts and within within each one is an act of itself but the through line keeps going his growth and understanding of who his daughter's becoming mm-hmm. you know and i i really like that i i really do and like getting to know her and like just kind of like doing little things here and there in those yeah. scenes to like actually engage with her and like kind of grow as a character well you get like one of the fun ones is at the very beginning there he, he kind of he, he does his fucking piece of shit answer you know what a coincidence is <laughs> yeah uh, i didn't realize how much of a piece of shit that was until i was watching it and like they do like each face you know and everyone's like and then if that camera would have swiveled to me i would have been like like are you fucking serious dude like yeah. come on even he, like no touch but then you know he goes oh she's playing on it and he grabs her hand and he, he sort they you can start to see that there's an emotional bond actually being formulated at that mark that mm-hmm. we get to see as we go throughout this thing and it's um yeah i think at the very end it's 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 rewarding especially you know i got a i got a little daughter coming into the world that I, like i'm watching this i was like i don't want to have any sort of connection to you remind me of Steve Jobs as a parent. You know, she's born. You're like, do you know what a coincidence is? <laughs> yeah, Her, she's oh, a yeah. day old. Fucking, he did the math, and yeah, it's <laughs> wild. Um, but yeah, sixty eight percent of Americans could have possibly slept with you. No, no it's twenty eight percent. Twenty eight percent. She goes, oh, you're telling everyone that I slept with twenty eight percent of the men in this world. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah, well, yeah, because I did it all in one night, asshole, or whatever. You know. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, no. Um, I really like the performances. Um, it's interesting that this movie was directed by Danny Boyle. Uh, you know, having seen Train Spotting in 127 hours, mm-hmm. like a, a Slum Dog Millionaire, he does have a sense of style with a lot of his movies, and this is one where I felt like it was kind of almost the least present. It's very straightforward, very simply shot, very like kind of simply stylistic and not saying it looks bad because there was some framing that i really liked in this movie specifically with jeff daniels kind of standing at the end of the hall and they have that confrontation um some of the framing with uh the way he's standing on stage talking to seth rogan at Mm -hmm. the end of the film essentially where they have that confrontation like there's things like that that are really cool and dynamic but at the same time i couldn't help but feel like this could have been directed by anybody like there's not no. too much of a voice on this film except for Aaron Sorkin's writing showing I, through. I think the writing comes through, but I also feel like some of that editing that you're talking about is very Danny Boyle. It's very frenetic at certain points, which I think you need with the dialogue and the subject matter at hand because there's if you think about it, there's not a lot going on with a lot going on. Yeah, you know, it's not like this isn't you know uh, taken to. Um, like you've, a lot of people are just talking about how Steve Jobs has pissed him off, you mm-hmm. know, and that's that's what you got going on. But at the same token, I also think that the theme and and some of what you could make the argument is is that it's almost binary at at points, yeah, which plays into some of that computer theme, if you will. Um, and some of it you get some of the dabbles with maybe you know when they're with Steve and his creative mind. Like I bet you, if you watched it, you could see points where it's like you're saying pretty straightforward one tracking shot and then if he gets in there and his mind starts to work i bet you you start to see a little bit more of the editing going on yeah and that plays into the mind of steve jobs as we're viewing as we get to see him churn it out like right. one of my one of the ones that i liked is uh him and john scully when he goes the this is a margot like you have to drink this you know and 
he, he goes, I don't know what quote I want to use. And then he, he, one of them, he gets up there and he starts reading off and you can see the quote pop up. And he goes, or I want to go this. And you see the quote pop up. There are times when his mind starts to kind of work and you get some of that editing that plays into it. So I, I think... Um, there's you know, a bit of it there at least. You know? well, I think, you know, you, you can't have a film. You, I don't know how much more editing and camera shots that I, I would like out of this thing. Right. Um, and I'm not saying it needs to be like Slumdog Millionaire style editing where it's like fucking quick cuts all over the place. And right. it's like super fucking frenetic. But at the same time, I can't help but think of a movie like The Social Network where I love the directing of that movie. Where mm-hmm. it's like it's framed, the color palette, the tone of it is very much still David Fincher. Even though it's like kind of a different type of movie that he's used to making. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one, it's like, I feel like this could have been maybe directed by, I don't know, Steven Spielberg or like something, Ridley Scott or something. I don't think so because you're talking about action action like it's you know movies there and there's in those films there's a there's a lot going on with those stories this is a very elegant story with three acts that are just happening with we're looking at three events yeah you know that are, are happening behind closed doors i mean it, it it'd almost be like if i came and said like yeah i mean like you could get anyone to direct 12 angry men you know like mm-hmm. that you'd probably be like i don't know about that you know i mean there's there's a certain elegance that you have to have if you're making something that's simple it's very easy to botch simple. Yeah. And I think that, the, like, Killers of the Flower Moon, there are points in that movie where he's got to turn it back on. Mm-hmm. And that's where you see some of the editing that happens. That I mean, with this one, at least, uh, you got to speed it up because we're ramping up a whole lot of information as we switch from 1984 to 1988 to 1998. So you're looking at a four-year difference and then a 10-year difference without having anything going on between the characters to explain the changes that have happened in that time. Yeah, you know. So there's that's what I'm like. I I think when you look at it, you're you're it you're chopping up points in history and points and moments, but we're still having life go on, mm. and without actually having that for the audience to see and be a part of. Like you got to come up with some creative ways to funnel that information in, so you can still get to the same point that you want to in 1998 and have everyone understand. Like, oh, this is where we're at. Yeah, and I think. You know, for me at least, I I thought they did a great job of it because there wasn't ever one time where I'm like, how are they here? What happened there? What has occurred that now he's back? Like mm-hmm. they everything really streams line streamlines it, and you know the information that they have to dole out, it can be a little much. Like I said, I mean the second act with him and John Scully going over the board and next and kind of those chess moves that you know they they have to write out. I don't know how you do that in a you know, a Steven Spielberg way. I get, I get that. You know, I get what you're saying. It is one of those things still though, where at the end of the day, I'm going to think of this as an Aaron Sorkin movie and not necessarily a Danny Boyle movie. I don't disagree with you at all on that. Mm. That's a hundred percent. And I don't think, I think that if you had a, I think if you had a, a worse director, I don't think we're viewing this as an Aaron Sorkin. I think we're talking about Ashton Kutcher. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I kind of want to watch that one just to compare now. I do too. I'm not going to lie. Just to like see. I'm curious. I'm yeah. very curious because obviously that one has a bit of a worse reputation. <laughs> Apparently like Fassbender got up and was like, he, he made a joke to the media, whatever they were doing a viewing. He said, yeah, I, I, I called Ashton to get a little bit of help on how to find the jobs character, like <laughs> get into a you know, character and everyone laughed. And I was like, that's kind of funny, but also like, 
boy, how fucking bad did Ashton Kutcher do to be? I'm like, so uh, curious. I haven't seen any because, like, at least with this movie, I watched a trailer. I had some kind of idea of like what I was getting into. I, I have no fucking clue what the Ashton Kutcher one is like at all, except for the poster. I've seen. There's. I've. I. I think I've only seen like one clip, at least at six on my head, where he's like 19. 86 jobs and he's got the beard with the hair yeah and he's like standing over a computer and he's kind of like you know it's a point there's some tension going on so i'm guessing it's like early in the film you know yeah some tension going on and he's like trying to get guys out of the way that's the only thing i remember from that thing and then uh yeah when i heard that this one was coming out too. I was like, pass steve wozniak we just need more programs man <laughs> You like Dude, my Ashen impersonation? It was pretty good. Thanks. I'm, I'm, I am. I'm not lying. I'm like, I was doing. I was looking up the trivia on this. I was like, I kind of want to watch that one just to see. Like, is it that bad, or did this one overshadow it? It's piqued my curiosity. Yeah. That's for sure. Uh, I like how in this movie, uh, Kate Winslet looks younger as time goes on. I thought that was kind of. You thought she funny. looked younger? I thought so. At least think, the way they dressed her, because well, right. like in the beginning, the first act. She's very kind of like nerdy looking, almost yeah. dressed like an older lady. And then in the last one, it's like, you look like you're about to go to high school prom almost with I that dress. I think <laughs> it's a test of where they're at with what's going on with the 14 years. And, you know, it's she's strung out because she's working with a fucking psycho to, uh, hey, we made it. We're going to sell 20 million in the first year. You're yeah. a half a billionaire. Like. I'm glad you stayed on with me. Here's your $250,000 check a month. I just like that they managed to successfully make Michael Fassbender, Steve Jobs look older and a little bit more mature as time has gone on. And yes. then they managed to kind of do the opposite with Kate Winslet, where it's like they they try to make yeah. her look more modern. But I, at the end of the day, they just ended up making her look younger. <laughs> I, 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 I just didn't think she aged, honestly. I I. All three times I was not paying attention to like her dress code or what was going on. I was just sitting there like, how are you getting him out of these tight spots? And then I'm pretty sure Seth Rogen looked the exact same in every single Oh yeah. Every single story. Yeah. He so what's really funny, so Rogue, I was pleasantly surprised before you say anything, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised that uh I didn't hate him in this movie. I thought he's really good. He was he did his job. He did what he needed to do. <laughs> He didn't like wow me or anything, but yeah. it was one of those things where like I I believe you as this character. I will. It's I'm like, willing to look past the uh, weed, the, weed uh, man. It's the uh, it's like the bad football team that actually goes out and gives like a de- like a good performance, like whether they lost or won by a close far. It's like wow, they don't look that bad, you know? Yeah, by their like, standards, that's pretty good. He's but, able to like properly bounce off of Michael Fassbender as an actor, dude. They I I they're. Their jargon, their discussions between each other couldn't be like, like it, that happens in everyday life. I'll just say that. I and I was thinking about it too because I related to him a little bit. Like, um, one of the you know, Fossbender's always fucking shoving it in his face, too. You know, mm-hmm. like the first disrespectful, well, you know, one is, uh, you know. You know, uh, the band, you know, they play the band. I play the orchestra. That's mm-hmm. what he goes. He's like, that doesn't fucking make any sense to me, you know? And then you can see that there's a little bit of dispute and he goes, I, you know, you got a free pass from me. He goes, that's so condescending. And then jobs goes, yeah. Cause I played the fucking orchestra. You're the, ba- you're, you're sit right there in the band. You're, you're a lead chair. You do an awesome job for me, you know? And I was like, God, that is so fucking ruthless to tell someone that, like, you know, you serve a purpose and that you do a really You serve good my purpose. Yeah. And it's my... It, but the one that was the best is um, 
you know, he goes, you wouldn't be anywhere without me. You know, you wouldn't. I fucking made Apple. I made this shit. I should be where you're at. And then he goes, you know, I'm, I shouldn't be Ringo Starr. I should be John Lennon. And then Jobs looks at him. He goes, you know why John became John? Because he was John. Mm-hmm. And it's so true. It's like, and I, I've had that. Like I've, you know, I've like some football stuff that that got out there, and it's nothing like revolutionary like that. But I mean, like, you you put some stuff together, and some people get their hands on it, and they can do a better job with it with you and market it like that. You just go back into the abyss, you know. And it, it's really, it really gives you great um, sympathy for Waz with him saying all that stuff to him. Because I, I, and I, like, if you can relate to it too, like, you can, you know, the frustration that he's going through being the guy that did all of that and Steve just going out there and because he can slap a happy and apple on it. But I mean, like, the other aspect of it too is like, you got to give him credit for where he's at because you don't just luck into that. You don't luck into half a billion dollars, mm-hmm. you know, worth of, you know, value of a company. I love that whole scene between uh, the two of them where Steve Jobs is on stage and he's like in the in the crowd, essentially, Mm -hmm. like they're yelling at each other almost. That whole dynamic was probably my favorite part of the movie, honestly, like that one scene right there sticks out to me and will probably stay with me for long after I've seen this movie. Oh, I really like just the way it's framed, the way it's written, their dynamic between each other. I thought was honestly my favorite part of the film. Dude, there's... (laughs) I don't know. The reason why I love this too is because so much shit sticks with me. And even after I view it again, more of it, just like examples of stuff and like what you get to see. But there's a point where they, they, you know, he, he goes, look at the watch and it's a neon watch or whatever, the light bulb. Mm-hmm. And he goes, all right, I want you to change, like change the time. You know, so he gets out, he starts, he goes, oh, excuse me, air, you know, airplane attendant, this person's got a bomb. And he goes, well, you can tell it's not a bomb. He goes, yeah, but how do they know? You know, it's just it, there's there's small instances like that, or when uh, John Scully they're talking about the new end that came out, and it was the stylus. And he said the reason why that that's never going to work is because you you have two hands on it, like mm-hmm. you don't have a free hand. You're we're designed to use one hand to keep the other one free to do things, and it's very simple natured things like that. I think that, and that's why I like the simplicity of the direction of the film is because there's a lot of big, big concepts that could be happening that get broken down into very simple. That's not how the mind works, Mm -hmm. you know? And uh, having Steve point that out to people constantly that are in the tops of their fields also like just astonishes me that like, you know, and, and who knows if those conversations happen? Probably not. But just the fact that they have that reverence for him, yeah. and that that he was able to do those things and make not necessarily make people feel that way, but his mind operated in that fashion. It, it's remarkable. He also he thought he had the the ability, at least with the way this movie showed it, to see what the experts want out of something, and then to also see what the public would want out of something. Yeah, simplistic, very straightforward. Uh, marketable, user-friendly products. That well, that was kind of like the backbone of what he was about, at least from my understanding. No, he a hundred percent. I don't mean to cut you off. 100%, no, you're good. I, I was he, done. He was also. It was also. How does the human mind work, and how do we make that transparent onto a or transpose that onto an, an acting device? Like I, mm-hmm. he's like, I don't want like you know with the with Microsoft and the the PCs and all the stuff. He's like, I, he doesn't want a stereo that you can fucking take things out because that's not how the human mind works. You can't just discard this memory and upload this memory into it. You can't like 
you can't take all these components and change it out because that's not how the brain works. And to say it in, in an Aaron Sorkin sense, more than likely, but I got to imagine that some of it was held true is that I want it to function just like how a human brain would function and how we would use something. And, you know, I think that's why they, they transitioned to laptops. You got away from the modems and the monitors and, and not to say everyone does it. Cause I mean, I know you've got a PC. Oh, we're it's right, it's right there. You can maybe hear it in the background. It's whizzing away. It's fucking yeah, turning into like the Stephen King movie. Yeah, yeah that thing's. I heard your pal talking about me, Kyle. Hey, what did Max <laughs> say about my noise? Yeah, but um, I think that's why a lot of it, a lot of what he wanted to do too, was very ahead of its time because you, how do you, how do you make it possible? How do you take get the Walkman out? He goes, it's mm. so gaudy looking. I hate that you got to carry it around. I want something just to fit in your pocket that you can bring I'm gonna, music put, I'm gonna put music in your pocket yeah i'm gonna put music in your pocket i don't even know 500 a thousand five between 500 and a thousand songs yeah right in your pocket yeah you know why because i hate watching you carry that thing around <laughs> yeah and that was and that's why but that was like the problem with the new one you know he's like no one it's not gonna work out because you you have to sit down and you have to stop and you'd have to type it out it's mm-hmm. so like get something you know and i think he there was uh when he was talking about the iPhone, I think that's when he brought up <clears throat> uh not 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 in this film, but like in a in, in real life when Jobs was talking about it. And I think he said it wasn't like the the conversation with John Scully was as simple as that. He's like, I didn't I didn't want to do it out of spite and vengeance. He just goes, It didn't serve a purpose because at some point it's not it won't be something that people will use. Yeah. Cool. Um I don't know if I have anything more to say about Steve Jobs that we haven't said already. Um, yeah, good film. Solid pick. Appreciate you bringing it to the table. Um, was there anything else you wanted to bring up with this film? No, no. I think I got it. <clears throat> There's, uh, I mean, this thing is, is so rich with quotes. and It's very quotable. and It's very well written overall. I mean, quotes that, I think there are quotes that when you look at, I mean, and it, in my line with with coaching, a lot of it sticks out too. With because um, you know, if you looked at Jobs as like a, a head coach, mm-hmm. you know, and you got all these assistant coaches and all and all the operations. I mean, there's just so much that goes on with stuff, and to have wherewithal of everything that that is feeding into the consumer, any stimulus whatsoever, operations or the vi- the presentation that he was just aware of and had the the foresight or the or didn't lack any oversight on on you know even minuscule things and I yeah I I, I really like that and I, I think a lot of a lot of the stuff that you you gets quoted in the singer that you see in some of the the dialogue that goes on you could actually you know relate to everyday life with friends or with people that you know that have had conversations with other people about stuff and mm. you know so yeah shall we get into ratings yeah am I going first. This is a very solid 7 out of 10. Enjoyable movie. Some things I really couldn't connect with too much. Mostly the presentation and the editing. Um, It's one of those movies where like the writing's very good. And that's probably the most I'll get from it and the performances. A few select scenes that I really like the framing of and how they played out and the dynamic of it. And I do like the way it's structured, but... It is one of those films where I don't know if it'll last with me as much as something like The Social Network or yeah. something of a similar vein. So that's where my thoughts on it I am, are. I'm a, uh, I'm a 10 out of 10 with it. Damn, um, son. No, I, I, 
I, the characters and the writing of this stick out. The elegance of the film. Well, I should say the simplicity of the film is what I like because it doesn't take away from anything. And, mm. um, you know, I, I, I'm more of a... With some of my movies that I really like, some of the ones that I think I've enjoyed the most um, are scenes that don't require too much but have a lot of gravitas with what's happening in them. Like an example is the Fly episode in Breaking Bad. Mm. You know, uh, not a lot going on. It's in one location, but the the conversations and the dialogue between the characters will really make it stick out. And I think um, easy way to butcher it. And then there's a really nice way to go about doing it. And this one is like a film that I just was like, whatever. And then, you know, I just, man, like you see it. And it, I, I, I just, I enjoy it thoroughly. And I, you know, I won't lie. I got into it on Sunday and I still, I was losing a little bit of interest doing things here and there. But this is very seldomly are there movies where I just like, I'm going to throw that on just to have it on and watch it, you mm-hmm. know? And this is one of them. So, yeah. Cool. That was a good discussion. Um, I have a question or a couple questions we can do. Um, we could maybe squeeze one in because they're questions that I think would lead to a good conversation. Um, are we pressed for time or are we getting... Not really. Um, we can probably spend a little bit more time going over one of these and then we could maybe save the other one for yeah, next time. that's fine. Uh, depending on how things go. Uh, next recording (laughs) so we'll find out this is a question that i came up with that i wanted to ask you so my question and it pertains a lot to uh your life and and the fact that you are about to to spawn kyle jr soon oh yeah uh which is very exciting for me um the name right yeah the birthright (laughs) i've called it you've heard it it's in recording yeah can't take it away from me uh my question for you and you know this is also keeping in mind that you have Preston as well. Oh yeah. Uh, my question was, what are films you will never show your kids no matter how old they are? Never show my kids. Never. Like you don't want them to watch it. You don't want to watch it with them. Even if like, maybe you think it might be a film that you enjoy. Maybe it's something that you're like, I don't know if I could do this with my children. Shame. That was honestly one of the first things I thought of too. Uh, now, like when it, so here's the thing: like you gotta you gotta rope it into categories. Of- so like you can go about it as in Preston is he's six years old, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there are TV shows and movies that are meant for kids that I don't know if I would show my kid. All right, necessarily. you give me an example. Well, like, I can only go off of my personal experience with my parents. They didn't want me watching shows like Cat Dog or fucking Invader Zim. Something that they felt rotted my brain when I was no, well, a, a little little baby impressionable boy. Or, like, something, something even like The Simpsons, maybe, where, you know... If you're showing that to a six-year-old, that's a little weird to me. But, you know, maybe there's something in there... I don't know. I'm trying to kind of formulate I know what, what an answer would be. Well, cause that's what I'm saying. It's just, it's hard. It, it is hard, and you really don't know. I will. So I'll say this. I was watching. Uh, there's a there's a show on Netflix called F is for Family. Um, it's Bill Burr. Mm-hmm. He plays a Boston dad, you know, and, and just imagine a blue collar Boston dad in the 70s. Like that's so that there's a lot of the, that comedy in there. Um, he's got a couple kids and it's just kind of probably like how his dad was with him in the times where it's just like, you know, they're like, 
human no one really knew much about the human mind and you had these parents that were just making you know decent money just becoming drunks and stuff you know like shit like that and it's very there's a lot of foul language and um preston was all of three months you know and i had it on and i was like you know i'm just not gonna watch this with him Mm -hmm. uh when it comes to like what i will and won't watch with him you know, like at six years old, he's going to have not a lot of things that he'll bring up that I will be like, uh, no. Right. Um, I think if I had a good idea about what a movie was, like let's say uh, my daughter wants to watch Black Swan when she's 17, I will probably be like, it's your choice. If you want to yeah. watch that film, that's completely understandable. I will be out of the house. <laughs> it makes me, uh, it's going to make me a little uncomfortable. Uh, so why don't you watch it? And if you think it's a good viewing and you think that you'd have some good talking points with me, I'll watch it with you a second time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, I'm, I, I, one of my uh, teachers uh, in, in uh, Muskegon um, was an uh, English teacher. I, I loved him. He's one of my favorite teachers. Mm-hmm. Really you know, thought outside the box and, you know, creative dude and really was into his own personality and really believed that writing could um, influence you, you know. Mm-hmm. And he talked about his kids and them asking questions about this, that, or the other, sometimes like very um, adult, you know, natured questions, not necessarily like what you, but like, you know, like how do you have a kid or, you know, parents have like they make out or they do you know shit like that and he's like i always answer them truthfully you know and i think i don't think i'm gonna go that drastic with it mm-hmm. but i do feel like that if my if preston or my daughter wants to make a choice with something that is something that's not going to conflict with their development you know yeah then yeah now i've heard some guy like you're talking about a 12 year old that wants to watch cartel videos on black you know the the red network on youtube and like hey i'm gonna i'll probably we won't watch that no that that's yeah that's where you get the real fucked up shit yeah Um, so but like there i don't know how many movies i've seen that i'm like it is one of those things where like obviously you want to guard them and keep them safe from media that would have a psychological effect on them and that they'd be too young to experience but at the same time it's one of those things where they reach an age where you have to kind of sit back and go like, it's your choice. It's your responsibility. I'm going to let you know my experience with this. And if you want to check it out, yep. go for it. And, you know, I'm kind of in the same boat as you where I wouldn't want to limit what, if I ever had a kid, what they would experience uh, as far as like art and entertainment goes, if they were of the right age. And if I deemed it okay for them to experience that sort of thing, like, yeah, because at the end of the day, it's a combination of parental responsibility mixed with trusting your right. kid. Um, and I was just kind of curious about that because you know you've got a little oh, one yeah. on the way, and I was just curious if that's something that you ever really thought about, or like maybe you were watching a movie and you were like, I don't think I could ever watch this with my kid. Well, <laughs> no, <laughs> in I, any sense. <laughs> no, it was funny because I actually pressed and he's kind of falling asleep when we watched the Island of Doctor Moreau. And, um, yeah, you were saying that. <laughs> you know, that's that's one that I'd probably like looking back. Like, we'll just hold off until you know a little bit older. But my like my dad, um, and I think I talked about that too. I mean, he would throw on shit. I mean, movies all the time. It's like as long as they didn't have tits in it, we could watch it. So you know, I remember, and I can still remember this day, like kind of falling asleep, but he threw on The Rock. 
Mm-hmm. And there's a the opening scene of The Rock, some gruesome events happen to some soldiers and being like eight and just like, that was horrific. You know, like, yeah. I don't know what I just saw there. I don't know what chemicals are. <laughs> right. You know? I don't know what the inside of my head looks like. Yeah. And so like, it'd be like, all right, how much of this is that they don't understand what they're seeing? Because like, you know, we we throw something on. We we know it's for an entertainment purpose, and that you can yeah, you can separate reality and fiction. Yes, and at the, it's some like when you're young, so it's hard to do sometimes. You know, there's for sure. And so like no, when it comes to TV shows and stuff too, like no, and I I like if if we were talking like Breaking Bad. I'd probably wait till he's like thirteen or fourteen, fifteen, you know, somewhere. Where fifteen, I think, would be a good age. Somewhere, in, somewhere in like high school. Definitely not middle school. Middle school is probably one of the ones where I'm like, we're not going to watch that. No, no, you know, especially considering how some of the earlier Breaking Bad episodes are, because they're very they're purposefully all. awkward sometimes yeah. with like the subject matter, like. I'm just thinking of a few sexual scenes oh, here yeah. and there. I'm not the that stuff is kind of like what I mean. He's gonna find out about it, you know. Like that that it's more of I'm I'm more concerned with drug use, um, language and and guns. Violence I, would be a big one. Yeah, yeah, like I don't and you know like you get into some of the war movies or guns are popping off or like with the video games and stuff it's kind of like all right like you just have to have those conversations but like when you put something on film that's in a very realistic setting and it makes it seem a little desensitized right um like because there's certain movies that i can think of where like obviously i wouldn't want to watch with my kid at a certain age but then there's also movies where i have to think like what what is the point of you watching this like, what are you getting out of this besides, like, just mindless violence? Right. Like, are you, do you like the action? Do you like the, the story? Do you like the characters? Or do you literally just like watching Keanu Reeves shoot people in the head? Like, is that is that something that that's the only thing you're getting out of it? Or can right. you recognize, like, other stuff? Or is this just, like, mindless whatever to you and you're becoming a desensitized asshole? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, and that's where I'd, I'd probably... When I get into like some of the like when Preston gets to like eight, nine, or ten, like if we watch any crazy, they're going to be eighties action films, mm-hmm. and that way you can kind of go and see like, all right, you know, see, this is the purpose that sometimes like you know weapons are used for is like unrealistic situations. Yeah, you know, like I, I don't want to get in there and watch a movie where it's like, you know, that they're. I'm trying to think. Of like it. if if my kid was like seventeen and he wanted to watch something like fucking human centipede i'd be like uh, i guess you can legally but like why no well at that point you know when you talk about like your development i don't you're you're kind of already understand like fiction versus not like you got to look at like I guess, yeah. like age like 11 age 12 right age 10 like somewhere like in, if my kid's 10 and he's watching salo 120 days in sodom yeah that's when you kind of get into, hey, what's going on? Yeah, you know, like you wanna you wanna talk, buddy? <laughs> yeah, like why don't you why don't you tell me really how like how you're feeling? Because this isn't stuff that is. Yesterday you were watching Finding Nemo. Yeah, <laughs> like that's where, you know, and that's why I'm like I I don't because I I honestly think like watching all these films even without consciously or critically thinking about them has shaped me into the personality that I got and the way I view life. Yeah. Um. I'm Ryan Gosling, literally. Yeah. And that's what, you know, and that's fine. 
And that's <laughs> Lars and the Real Girl. Yeah. Um, I'm just Ken. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's why I, I don't want to have. I don't want to. I don't want to take that away. But also, like, I didn't watch some like crazy horrific stuff with my dad being like, you know what? I heard Martyrs is a good film. Why don't we throw that on? That is one that <laughs> I've heard is genuinely a good movie. But yeah, it's very distru- it's fucking rough. Yes, and uh, I'm scared to to check that out. Me and you both, brother. Maybe, maybe one of us will recommend it and force maybe. force us to do it. Yeah, we got to bite the bullet. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to say about that no. question or that subject? No. And uh, you know, uh, the nice thing is that in two weeks, Jasmine will be listening, uh, hopefully with a with the baby girl here and, and nodding her head. Um, either that, or I will let you know how our conversation went after this one mm. uh, and what we agreed to. So uh, we got one more bit of business. Ooh. Uh, Ooh. For the recommendation, it's my turn. I get yes. to pick. I get to pick a recommendation. So you and I were kind of talking before we recorded about watching The Killer and yep. that kind of being like next on the docket. It has to. has to be. David Fincher is coming up hot. Michael Fassbender. It's topical. You know. We're mixing Steve Jobs and the social network right now. Exactly. Like we're both gonna it's either gonna be a beautiful piece of art or a steaming pile of shit. Hopefully the former, because I'm looking forward to this one. Same. So we got the killer, and then I'm basing my recommendation off of that. Mm. So cop out. Yes, I know, right? I'm such a sleaze ball, like Ernest Burkhart. Um <laughs> so this is one that I've thought about for a bit of time. It's one that I would be revisiting. I've only seen it once. Okay. And I had gone through David Fincher's filmography within the last couple of months. Uh, this is one that I have seen before, but I haven't seen in years since it first came out. Okay. And when I first saw it, I had such a more negative viewpoint on it because of how I viewed movies and because of how I perceived them. Yeah. I think you know where I'm going with I this. I don't because David Fish has got a lot of movies that can make you feel that way. That's right. <laughs> so, and uh, one of those uh, is called, it's one that I haven't rewatched. Who's in it? Tell me who's in it before you, if I tell you who's in it, it's going to give it is away. Is it one actor? If I tell you this one actor, it'll give it away. I got a feeling like I know where you're going. Um, Came out 2014. 2014. Ben Affleck. Really? You want to watch that one? Gone Girl? I'm recommending Gone Girl. Bizarre. Okay. Yes. I. Uh, what's really funny is that I watched this thing like three, four months ago. Really? Yeah. I. I and I. I mean, I, I watch. I'm gonna watch it again. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just didn't think. I didn't know that. That's where you were going. Um. Yeah. This was one. So I like. I said I had watched all of David Fincher's films. Uh, the past few months. Yeah. I haven't rewatched Gone Girl. And Gone Girl's the one that I really want to revisit because of how my my viewpoint of movies worked back then when it came out. I, it's going to be very different from now, I imagine. And I'm going to have a lot more to say in terms of like what yes. the film does for me on a second viewing. I am I'm incredibly interested too because this is one that um kind of polarizing, but uh I have certain thoughts on it. So, and, yeah. Uh, it'd be nice to talk about because I'm, I'm actually genuinely curious uh, if you can, I don't want to say help me on the film, but just, just getting your perspective on it. Mm-hmm. And and I think, because this thing, yes. I'll be watching this basically with a fresh new pair of eyes. Oh, yeah, 100%. From when There's, it came out in 2014. I, I think I just did that with the film not too long ago that I recommended that I was like, I want to see again. Yeah. 
this is one of those for me where it's like I might as well be seeing it for oh, the, the first deer time. Hunter. Yeah, I seen. The, I saw the deer hunter once, and I was like, I thought I was like, oh, it's all right. And now I've watched it again, and fuck. Yeah, Jesus that's Christ. that's my experience with this film. And having watched all of David Fincher's films now, I'll have a better context for the filmmaking and the style and the the directing and everything you going. You just thought it was probably it. too bleak and too slow. Too much mumbling. We'll get into it. Yeah, we'll get I'm into curious it. as to hear your original thoughts because. Uh, oh, you'll hear them. Yeah, I don't. I, You're gonna hear a bit of 2014, Kyle, in go, the next that, episode. That'll be kind of exciting because I'm actually. It's it's hard to sometimes go back and check yourself out from a new lens. And that's kind of what I want to do. Is I want to not only analyze this movie, but I want to analyze myself. Yeah, in yeah. that time period. Who's that? Uh, who is that? Is that uh, so- Socrates? Socrates. Socrates. Yeah. Going yeah. back in time, reevaluate yourself, man. Is that the? Yeah. What's well, uh? Yeah, you know. Aristotle. Sure. Aristotle. All those guys. Yeah. They're all sick. Sophocles. Yeah. Um. Syphilis. Anyway pushing that rock up that hill that's his name right uh <laughs> <laughs> boy I, I yeah well i up a hill is that a is that a euphemism yeah or is that a kidney stone Am it just right? means i'm getting older yeah that's just what it means uh so <laughs> no syphilis doesn't mean you're getting older syphilis is a completely different <laughs> syphilis thing. means that you're making the wrong choices yeah well it depends on your line of work yeah yeah oh boy i mean whatever floats your boat quite literally um so cool we're gonna talk about gone girl and the killer yeah and both of these will tie in very well yeah episode 59 really yeah yeah 59 episodes can you believe it that's fucking crazy we're gonna yeah. have to do something wacky for episode 100 i've been thinking about what we could possibly do go to the grand haven nine rent out the party room watch it set up the soundboard and do a live podcast in the party room after watching a film yes that would be wild. Charge people for it. Well, probably not. In we'll, another business. We will be sitting. Think about it. Actually, that, that to me just sounded so wild that we could actually maybe do it. But think about it. We'd be sitting here in a room that's decorated with like yellow and red balloons, you know, like the yellow, like really shitty plastic decoration. Yeah. Some of know? them are on the floor. Some of them are deflated. Yeah. A guy would walk in, set down a pizza that he charged us $15 for on top of the $30 room. It's for like a little hour. Caesars quality pizza. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we'd sit there with people walking by to go to their films as me and you were just talking like this and they would walk by and just stare at us for a couple seconds and we'd have to wave. Yeah. As we keep talking and keeping our train of thought of what we're talking about with the movie that we just saw. Why are these guys talking about Alien Requiem when uh, <laughs> I just want to get my my arcade <laughs> i wonder if we walked in there if we didn't tell them like and obviously this is how all, far we could get away with well, it you know like we walk in with the soundboard and stuff and like well, we'd have to have all that shit you know well it's it, funny as we don't have a soundboard now <laughs> we well, well you know the, this this guy well that's the mixer that yeah. just makes it sound not all like right. shit all right was i could get a soundboard i could just hold my phone up to the microphone go boing, 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 boing. is that all that well the mixer so you have to bring the mixer in and all that so like, i don't how, even have to do that like if we want to do it live i'd have to get a soundboard but because we edit this i could just put in whatever sound effect i want I could put in Tim Allen's home improvement. Well, we don't have right any now. sound effects right now is what I'm saying. No, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, however, I don't know how, I don't know how we'd have to record this thing to be able to do it somewhere else. I guess is what I'm saying. That will be something we could talk about. 
when yeah. the time comes, possibly. I have a few ideas floating in my episode, empty yeah. little noggin for episode 100 when we get to it in like two years. I'm actually really, uh, now I'm on to this uh, rent out the party room at the Grand Haven Night. And have like, talk about fucking have like irony? two people show up and they're both our parents. Yeah, and they just <laughs> sit down and they're like listening to us talk for two and a half hours. Yeah, we the about people, motherfucking nonsense. Yeah, well, we'd have to, we'd, we'd just get out of a film, we'd come sit down and then people would be walking in into a film and then could you believe that they're walking out of that these film? assholes are spoiling the movie i'm about to go see yeah. hey shut the fuck up hey yeah. i'm trying to watch you yeah yeah that wasn't uh oh that wasn't uh um, piper's kind of she's a part of the fun and the episode's almost over so i don't want to get up and move her but at the same time she's very interested in the mixer right yeah now. there's Come a here, lot of, there's a lot of lights that 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 noise that we heard when watching of the flower moon wasn't uh wasn't five nights at freddy that was just your local podcast yeah that's the real scare right there <laughs> yeah. that's the real real horror story and also by the way too i wish i was I, I don't know what five nights at freddy's is or i, oh, I watched it oh you on peacock yeah yeah it fucking sucks okay uh, i was gonna i was like oh man i should have recommended that so we'd have two new movies that came uh, out if you want to watch it we can talk about it next no episode. no i don't okay. i was just thinking about something i was like <laughs> that's oh, your I, choice i recommended jobs i was like i could see that but after hearing you talk about it makes me have uh no interest whatsoever in rushing out and seeing it on peacock listen as your parent i think you have the responsibility to watch <laughs> five nights at freddy's if you so desire yeah, no just gonna rewatch uh shame that's probably the better choice honestly oh. yeah yeah i'd oh. rather see michael fassbender's cock than see five nights at freddy's again. yeah and that's saying a lot that is saying a lot because he's boy he packs it um <laughs> yeah so cool uh if you guys don't want to be spoiled for gone girl and the killer be sure to check those movies out before episode 59 Thank you guys for listening to episode 58 of the Neon Crew podcast. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. Uh, give us some five-star reviews and ratings on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. YouTube community page and Facebook. I'm active on there. I'm starting to post a little bit more memes again on there because, you know, I got a bit more energy and I was feeling like shit the past month. But, hey, baby, I'm back. It's me. We're, we're strolling through this garden of feeling healthy again. Um, be sure to cop some merch. We got our Etsy page still going. Uh, I still got some back stock on some crewnecks. Winter's here. It's cold. It's fucking freezing. You want to stay warm? <laughs> get yourself a crew neck. Have that Neon Crew logo on it. It's only 35 bucks, baby. Hell yeah. Plus, you know, shipping if you go that oh, route. Oh, yeah. But uh, otherwise, if I much. know you, you, I, you know, I might just bring it to you if there I know go. you. Yeah, because I've done that before. Cuts out the middleman yeah. of Etsy. Um, but yeah, Mac, anything else that we need to declare before we sign off? WWTHD. Bye, everyone. <laughs>